Andrew McGahan here for Severe MMA. The pride of Limerick, the young man named Sean Sheehan. The Severe MMA people that are coming to the local shows way before everyone else. To see them coming up and they're getting their shot and I'm proud that people are coming up with me. Episode 75 of the Severe MMA podcast is finally here. On this wet, windy and rainy Tuesday morning, Andrew McGahan joined, no, Wednesday morning, no, Monday morning. I'm all over the place, Sean. Joined, as always, by my favourite man from Limerick. Sean Tobin is on the podcast this week, isn't no, he? No, he's not Sean Sheehan. Sean Tobin was busy, actually. You're right, second favourite man from Limerick. Sean Sheehan, ladies and gentlemen. Hello there, Andrew. How are you? I'm not too bad. We had a, I've been up, up a while now, although it is one o'clock, so really I should have been up for a couple of hours, but I've been uh, keeping busy around the house, doing a few jobs. Might as well. Tried to uh, set up the Severe MMA studio upstairs. I'm going to start believing Graham now that Macs maybe are the devil. They are, they're terrible. Like, why would anyone have a Mac? I'm a big Mac fan, but um, basically I got Adobe Audition down onto my Mac, but it cost a fortune as well, so hopefully I do get to work this out. Um, It it would record my voice, but it would not recognize you. So I did a a test with the Skype test call because uh, you weren't online at the time, and it just didn't work. So I was like, no, time to relocate down to old habits, down to the room, the computer room. I think you should just rob that computer bring it up to your room and bring it upstairs or just buy a crap desktop with adobe edition and a skype and uh internet connection or just get it and work on your laptop and stuff you break well that will happen as well <laughs> but look I we were actually very punctual today for the most yeah. part um and we just uh i didn't want to be dicking around any longer yeah sure so there we go this is very very bo- inside baseball i think they call it in america inside what Inside baseball, and you know, there's like this. Pro- I think I'm not 100 percent sure I could be talking total shit here now, but they're like, there's a program that tells you like about all the, the X's and O's and baseball and shit, and like how it all works and things like that. And it's very like, you know, it's very complicated and stuff. And it's you know, you don't have to be a huge fan to to do it. Was like behind, you know, it's behind the scenes and stuff. Behind enemy lines, like we're breaking the fourth wall. Yeah, actually, here's the story: about, you <laughs> know, behind enemy lines, that that show or that uh, film. Yeah, it's about that, a young chap that goes away to... Oh, no, sorry. It's... It, or am I... Oh no, is it in me to get? Which one? There's one of them about a sniper called Vasily Zaitsev in Germany, I think. It's either behind enemy lines or enemy to get. Anyway, whichever one it is. I, I, for my leave insert English, I just copied the story of that film as my essay and wrote it. How did that go for you? It went well. <laughs> <laughs> and a I young used, man in Limerick scaled the church tower. I I use the word Cork. We're approaching. I use the word anti disestablishmentarianism as well in my in my essay. Just so, like, do you know you can go back and check your uh, papers afterwards? Yeah, I got that checked just so I could show one of the lads and prove that I actually did use anti disestablishmentarianism in my article in my fucking. You see, you played a coy game there. You were trying to appeal to the man that was having to correct this mid June on his holidays. Yeah. Getting paid serious money for correcting the papers, by the way. Ma- correcting papers in the leaving cert is a gold mine. Yeah. And yeah, just, uh, imagine that here, trawling through all these shitness, and then Sean Sheehan comes up with comes anti up. fucking. This, 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 I can't even say it. Full marks. I was actually. I'm surpri- I was surprisingly shit at English. Like, I just. I never put any effort into, like. 
being able to spell properly or my grammar or anything it was terrible a lot of doing what i'm doing now a lot of people sean followed that same path as you they struggled in school like maybe maybe well i'm just saying other people struggled in school they hated certain subjects they hated actually having to learn and learn things but their true passion was sport and that's what they then went on to uh went on to achieve but instead of remembering your tenses your nouns your adverbs all of those things which they struggle with now, they had their shit together on the recovery. Do you know what I mean? Oh, I, I get you. You yeah. see where I'm going with this? Yeah, yeah. I My brain was going 90 there thinking, my God, how are we talking about correcting leaving our papers and how is this going to segue into talking about our sponsors, ORS Nutrition? Do you know what I heard is good for like remembering stuff and good as you come up to your exams? What? Creel oil. Really? Yeah, I heard it's really good for your Have brain. you done a bit of research on it? I have. I heard about it. Joe Rogan's always fucking talking about it. That's all I know. That's, there's my research. But no, I heard about it before that. It's actually very good for that. I, I believe. ROS I, Nutrition have some of that as well. I do. I also believe that they're sending you some out of it. So I think you yeah. maybe you've either got your package or you're just so excited you did a bit of research on it. I, have, I haven't got it yet, but I believe it's, it's coming it's this week. It's en route. So. Oh, excellent. Well, uh, I'll be like, I'd be like fucking Robin Black on here next week, just going fucking insane. Going you? absolutely nuts. Well, on that then. Our sponsors, ORSNutrition.com. In my opinion, Ireland's best supplement providers in the land. The best supplement providers in the land. Head on over to ORSNutrition.com for absolutely everything you need for your workout essentials. If you're looking for a good pre-workout, if you're looking for a good recovery, if you're looking for some proteins, whey and plant-based, they are all over at ORSNutrition.com. They're the proud sponsors of the Dublin GAA team, as well as a couple of other teams, mainly including Dundalk FC. Fair, fair Jump up and down if you love the town, Sean. I'm not, I'm you're not jumping and you hate the town, so that's fair enough. Um, I'll do it after the show. If you're a gym user, if you're just going for fitness, if you're just going to work out, then head on over to ORSNutrition.com as well because they have everything set up for you over there. If you're going to get bigger, if you're going to shred out a little bit, if you're going to lean out a little bit, they have the products defined by category exactly what you want. You go on, you tell them what you want, they will come back and recommend the absolute best products that you need to help achieve your fitness goals. It doesn't stop there though, Sean. Yes. It most certainly does not. If you're listening to this and you're a first-time orderer, you can use the discount code SEVEREMMA, all in capital letters, for a whopping 25% off your first order. Woo! That is outstanding. That, that is outstanding. Do you know my friend JJ Murphy, who got the 25% off there a couple of weeks ago? I do. He did the, uh, he did the Ring of Kerry bicycle rest there at the weekend, and he put up a picture of his ROS Nutrition, uh, I think protein or whatever it was. Shaker. Just before, yeah. And uh, he, he'd finished the whole thing and all. So there you go, ROS Nutrition in fucking, in practice, working. Brilliant. I have to say as well, they have another very cool thing that I think uh, a lot of companies should cop onto. When you're at the checkout area, if they do free gifts after you've spent a certain amount of money. So if you are close to it or if you're eligible for it, they'll say, oh, you're not checking out just yet. Claim your free gift and then you can choose from a couple of different items, which increase, obviously, the more that you spend um, on the website. So great friends of the show, um, supporters and sponsors of the show. They've helped us out massively these past, this past while, Sean. And uh, by everyone who has order, for everyone that has ordered using the discount code SEVEREMMA, You've kept the lights on in Severe MMA HQ. Thank you very much for that. You've, uh, you've helped us. You've helped ORS. You've helped yourself as well. More importantly, getting started on your fitness journeys or continuing your fitness journeys with recovery and proper supplementation. 
Use the promo code SEVEREMMA to get 25% off at rosnutrition.com. And check them out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. They've got different handles, I think, ROS Nutrition Group. But uh, just search ROS Nutrition and you will find them on all your dedicated social media channels. Boom! How's things? Not so bad. Now that, we can, now that we can get out of the crappy English segue, can't believe I let you pick that for this week's segue discussion. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Before the show, in the extensive <laughs> planning we did. Our pre-production meeting this week, there was, there was fucking hell in that, in that meeting. In that boardroom. My <laughs> God. You may be the other side of the table from me right now, Sheehan, but in the next hour, I'm going to get up and give you one. Jesus Christ. What? what? No, a left hook. Oh, no, I, did you not see? You were looking straight at me. I waved my fist at you. Do you know what's funny? I was—I don't know how I got into it. I was reading an article I wrote like a couple of years ago. Was it as bad as the one you wrote last week? How fucking dare <laughs> you? But it was about, I don't know, Conor McGregor. So I don't—I don't know if it was a part of one of his fights or something. But I, I, this was a line in it. I said um, he, he, he had a personality. Oh, what was it? Oh, he had a personality to excite a tree and a left hook to knock one. Oh, Do you like that to excite a tree. Yeah. Trees get excited in the window, Sean. Like, I'm looking out my window now. The trees are going absolutely nuts in the garden. They seem like they're having a great time. But like, since you, like you, since you and Graham went, had a specific discussion about the definition of certain words in our WhatsApp group <laughs> yesterday, the severe MMA WhatsApp was fire yesterday, folks. Graham, uh, Graham, those who know him through listening to the show, he hates when we send voice messages, but we've yeah. finally broken him down. Graham now sends voice messages into the WhatsApp group all the time. But, Sean, my definition of uh, excitement would be to be moving around, you know, That's flailing, true. like a wacky wailing inflatable arm tube man. Um, inflatable arm flailing tube man? And yeah. yeah, one of those. And my, the trees outside are currently doing that. So I bet you at your own game. I appreciate it. I, I, I let you have that one. I appreciate that. It's like the word missile. People, you know, a missile is anything that's thrown. It's not like something that's a bomb or something like that. Really? That's another one. Well, I, yeah. I knew that because of football. Like, yeah. A missile exactly. was thrown onto the pitch. Exactly. No, yeah. it wasn't. It was a coin. It wasn't a fucking missile. Was it a torpedo, was it? No, shut the fuck up. <laughs> oh. <laughs> that's, that's every Liverpool fan ever there, right there. Just arguing. My impression of, yeah. All oh, right. Jesus, the Liverpool fans are worse. You thought about United saying a fucking Zlatan? Deadly. I so don't know. Happy. Arsenal missing out on fucking Jamie Vardy and United signing a Zlatan. Signing a, a Japanese 22-year-old <laughs> yes, prospect for the future. Yeah. Now, yeah. having watched his highlight videos, I can only assume he will set the world alike. Yeah. If I want to get completely over, over ahead of myself, finishes a little bit like a certain number 14 that once played for the club. Uh, always beats keeper keepers on the near side. It'll be perfect for when he comes against De Gea next year. So um, you fucking scumbag! You had to do it, didn't you? You fucking had to do it. Luke Thomas versus Sean Sheen is probably the greatest fight that will never happen, but should happen. Boy, he'd fucking he would he would destroy me so badly. It's not even funny. He's fucking. He was a marine and yeah. he does jujitsu and everything. He'd fucking kill me. Stone dead. That's one fight I never want to pick anyway. This week, Sean, it's a yeah. big one. It is a big one. The big one, the granddaddy. Also, we're recording on American Independence Day. So to our American listeners yeah. that may be listening to this nursing a hangover, happy Independence Day. Hopefully you enjoyed your 4th of July celebrations. And hopefully you enjoyed them anywhere throughout the world. If you're, in America, if you're an American in exile, if you're an Irish man in America getting ready for UFC 200 or anything that's going on this week, well then we hope you enjoyed it too. America! 
Living in America. America. Fuck yeah. So this week, Sean, marks International Fight Week, the biggest week in the UFC's calendar year. I'm excited. There's a lot going on. And aside from that, something that we are going to talk about later on in the show, the IMAF World Championships. 20 fighters from the north and south of Ireland heading over to Las Vegas. Any fuck. Yeah, 20. Heading over, looking to become an amateur world champion. A lot of thoughts on that, which we will get to later on in the show. So just for anyone that maybe uh, think we're going to skip over that this week because we touched on it last week. No, we are going to get to it at some stage. But I suppose the main pressing issue, Sean. Yeah. Did you see the? I watched an absolutely brilliant promo video for DC and Jones too on Facebook this morning. I don't know if they're UFC created. I don't know if they're fan created. Generally, the best ones are always the ones that the fans have created themselves. But this is a fight that is not to be missed. Yeah, I am. I am too excited. Like, fair enough. It is bad. It it is disappointing that Connor isn't on this card because I do think it's an absolutely fantastic card, and it could only have been bigger with Connor fighting on it. And, but, Nate and Nate Diaz. Connor fighting Nate Diaz on the card, yeah, 200. But Jones and DC, we talked about this. Remember when we were like, we definitely discussed this on the podcast that if Jones got through his last fight really quickly, then they could schedule this as a means to save UFC 200. Yeah. Yeah, it's an unbelievable fight. Like, I watched, you watch that counterpunch uh, thing. If you haven't seen it, a lot of people probably haven't seen it because it's very long. Definitely watch it. It's unbelievable. Do you remember it's that video they teased for the, the fight before TC got injured? Yeah. Where they're sitting with Joe Rogan. It's fucking, oh, it's unbelievable. Watch it. But, um, yeah, this is this is one of those... Just those these two great fighters coming up against each other, like they fought, obviously we mean all know they fought before. It wasn't the greatest fight in the world, but it was one of those unbelievably technical battles, but a, a, a dogfight at the same time. You know, one of those in the clinch, just giving it everything. Like, and it's it's a fight that's very hard. The first fight, it's a very hard fight to kind of maybe to understand if you're watching it from you know watching it live it, I thought that fight was very hard to score no you could kind of tell that Jones won it but I had to watch it four or five times before I got an actual true representation of what was actually happening in it and I think when you're fighting John Jones I think the biggest thing you need to do is not let him hit you from his distance. <laughs> hmm, excellent analysis there, Sean. <laughs> and, when fighting and, someone, do not let them hit you. No, from the, from the distance where he wants to hit you. From Don't let him use his reach. Don't let him jab you from the outside. Don't stand in that position, like, whatever, like two or three or four feet away from him where he can hit you with... He's, he has longer limbs than everyone. And Daniel Cormier did a great job of not letting him do that. He got inside. He worked his way inside. And, you know, I think... Uh, I don't know who describes it as a wood chipper. It is, it John Jones is trying to get inside him. It's like trying to get inside a fucking wood chipper because he'll just hit you with those kicks to the knee, with head kicks, with his jab, with his fucking fingers in your eyes, everything to stop you getting inside. But da- Daniel Cormier did it. He got inside. He did the hardest job. But when he got inside, he was beaten. And Jones beat him at his own game. And that's what Jones is famous for, beating guys at their own game. And he did that with Daniel Cormier, even though Daniel Cormier beat Jones at Jones' own game. So it's just a mad fight. If Daniel Cormier can do that again, if he can get inside, and this time if he can add in wrestling to it, if he can stop Jones getting a Muay Thai clinch, it's going to be very hard because he's so much bigger than him. He has a chance. 
because Jones looked so bad, and uh, well, he didn't look so bad, but he looked bad enough. He looked rusty and stuff. You know, has Jones lost a step? Not a step, but has he lost the edge? You know, has you know this sobriety? You know, going to church ten times a week. Is this is this new life? Like these guys are fucking motherfuckers gun fighting in a fucking cage. Like, is is that is that against him? Like, is you know, was the party in life was it helping him? Was it he's taking his mind off it? Was it giving him that edge he needed to beat Daniel Cormier? Maybe. And not wanting to sound like Joe Rogan on it, I can elaborate on that point a little bit further if you want. Do it, Andrew. Fighters in themselves are absolute nutcases. Do you know what I mean? When you yeah. think what the art of mixed martial arts actually is you're locking like the one thing i actually um we might as well give a shout out to paul dollary i got a, a free copy of uh john's book where's just, my copy just before it came where's out my book i got no book <laughs> well there you oh, go sick. we'll share our, it was to the severe mma podcast so i'll just oh, right. send it to you when i'm done and so, um, photocopy every page yeah <laughs> um john actually said something about when the door gets locked behind you it's a completely different, it, it can be a completely different thing. And it was one of the reasons why he wanted to fight when he was starting out. So he would know what it felt like later on in coaching. So for, you put that as, a, as an aside, right? You're, what you're doing is absolutely mental. But there is a certain wildness to the greatest fighters. Do you know what I mean? To be the best at anything, you have to be completely gone in the head. Do you know what I mean? Like there's absolutely no other, um, there's no other way to do it. If you look at Ronaldo, you saw the, the documentaries or the films that come out about him, all the stories about what Ronaldo done as a child and how hard he worked throughout his career to get to where he is today. Then you've got the super freaks like John Jones who are able to just get by. I like you'd nearly watching back on Jones's earlier fights now, knowing that he had all of these things going on outside the cage and he was doing all of these things. You're actually watching him just fight like a man. He he fought like a like a man possessed. Nearly like flared nostrils, just this is win or lose. This is the life that I've chosen. I do or die. I'm going out there to be kill or be killed. And I think there was a certain element of ferociousness to John Jones. MMA Junkie had a story up uh, the other day about throwing back to the last time John Jones finished someone, which was in the Chael Sonnen fight, which seems so, so, so long ago when you think about it. And then look at the fights that came before that. He was finishing guys and dismantling guys. And I don't know if he was playing it safer as his run got longer or if we just he developing it to be able to win the fights more effectively and, as you said, to beat guys at their own game, which is what Jones seems to absolutely relish in, like rubbing it in their faces afterwards or telling them beforehand that I'm going to beat you in this area. It's exactly what John Jones does. I like what you're saying about Daniel Cormier. Like maybe he has taken something from the last fight. From first of all, from being in there with Jones, you know. And as an athlete, you know yourself after being in there. I, I say as an athlete, as if I'm ever going to fight MMA. I don't mean it that like that. But him as an athlete will be looking at that, knowing if he really knows deep down inside, Daniel Cormier will know in his gut if he is the beating of John Jones. Yeah, I think we actually spoke about that before, and I think we spoke about like. Cormier probably knows he doesn't have the meeting of John Jones in his head, but he, you know these guys do a great job of kind of convincing themselves that way. Michael Bisping is famous for it, and like it's it's obviously it served him well. Now he's the he's the UFC middleweight champion, but I think believe it, achieve Sean. I mean, <laughs> exactly. I think this fight, you know, it's going to be another dog fight. I think I don't think there's any way it can't be on you know unless there's a big knockout or something. But I I, I don't really see that. You know, Jones hasn't the biggest knockout power 
Um, he can knock you out, obviously, if he hits you. But Cormier is the same. I don't think he has big knockout power. I don't think he's going to knock out John. So it's going to be an absolute dogfight. And I think the wrestling is absolutely huge. Because Cormier even said it in one of the promos. I think, who was he on? I think he was on that UFC Unfiltered podcast, maybe. Or one of those, anyway. And he... He said, like, he has to win the wrestling. And it, that's, I think that's what this fight is going to come down to. Really. I was writing my preview the other day. And, you know, okay, you know Cormier is going to win bits. Jones is going to win bits. But the big thing is the wrestling. Like, Cormier needs to take Jones down. He has to take him down. At least, I think, at least two rounds in this fight. Keep him down for multiple minutes on the ground to win this fight. And nobody's, obviously, nobody's ever done that to Jones before. It's going to be so hard. But that's what you have to do. Like, this is, this is the greatest fighter to ever like there's no man to ever live would ever beat John Jones I don't think I think he's the best fighter of all time and for if Cormier has to do it he's going to have to do something unbelievably special uh, can he do that yeah I don't think so well have you watched the first episode of Embedded because I haven't no, John I mean, Jones spoke I mean, about something yeah. very similar to you he was in training in Albuquerque he was doing a lot of wrestling drills a lot of grappling drills uh, there's footage of him going with Carlos Condit as well and I think a few other guys and then he was straight up into a round of pads. And the reason is, is because I, I, th- I don't know if he said he was expecting or he thought he's like, I could be put on my back for one round and I'm going to need to get straight back up and go to the feet. So he was switching up his training like that, doing rounds of grappling to go straight back up to striking to see how his body felt after being pushed so hard grappling for that long. Like, are his arms tired? Are his arms heavy? Are his legs heavy? And then he's doing rounds on the pads. So I think John Jones is actually preparing for that sort of scenario as well because he knows in a five-round fight, as you're saying, for at least two rounds, if he drops, let's say Daniel Cormier wins those first two rounds convincingly through wrestling. And the third one is John Jones just getting started. But you, you can see a 10-9 in there for Cormier as well. Yeah. This is going to be, this will be the making and the marker of John Jones. If that scenario does happen, you yeah. know that John Jones has two fights left, or two rounds left, either to open up a couple of 10-8s, which you're not going to get uh, for guaranteed in the world of mixed martial arts, or finish Daniel Cormier. And this is where we could see the most exciting version of John Jones ever. Because you saw the stuff that he was working on before the last fight. Maybe uh, Greg Jackson said in the corner as well that, what was it he said? He knew that the weights would yeah, cause him to tire or something like that. Yeah. Have, is there too much of that going on in John Jones' Instagram for this fight? No. So I think we're going to, uh, I think we may see a more classicer version of the John Jones that we are used to. We'll put the last fight down to ring rust. We'll put the last fight down to this or that. I'm not disputing. I agree with your analysis how Daniel Cormier can win this fight, but I just don't think it's going to happen. I think Jones will have learned from the mistakes, maybe of the powerlifting, maybe of different things like that. He already has a win over Cormier before. Cormier is an emotional guy. He'll be cutting weight this week. They're going to be in each other's face a little bit more. Cormier can't stand the sight of John Jones, and John just keeps like likes to irritate him. Yeah. You know that sort of thing. So I am very much looking forward to observing these guys fight week, especially around each other at all of the media days and the press conferences and the weigh-ins. Yeah, I think uh, Jones as well in that in that counterpunch thing. Yeah, Cormier was on about how he had been competing since Jones was out and stuff and how he was getting better and Jones was just kind of sitting on the sidelines but Jones made a point like oh so I'm just going to stand still I'm going to be the same as the first fight and I think that's actually he made a good point because as I remember I said earlier like Cormier did a great job of getting inside on Jones and you know getting to the inside where he wanted to be what if he doesn't do that in this fight what if Jones keeps him on the outside keeps him on that jab you know improves his lateral movement to stay away from Cormier 
I think that could be a huge thing for Jones because Jones in the first fight was probably assuming that DC could keep going for five rounds and it like it showed that he couldn't like DC you made a great point there about maybe if DC win the first two rounds Jones is going to come late I think that's even if Jones you know whoever's winning the first three rounds I think Jones is almost guaranteed to win the last two unless he takes some big damage or something like that I think you know he has better cardio he just he's in a better shape than than, uh, Daniel Cormier so maybe that allows Jones to push the pace a little bit more knowing that you know if he forces Daniel Cormier into a high pace if if he forces him to take a lot of damage that he's going to wilt later on so that could you know that could play into John Jones's hands as well knowing that he can fight him from you know he can do the kind of the wonder by the McGregor kind of movement on the outside where he stays away and he you know he comes in with shots rather than maybe conserving a little bit of energy and you know playing Cormier at that game but you know it's a very complicated fight to know how it's going to play out like lots of different things could happen um if to be honest like if he gets back into the clinch like it did in the last day last time I think Cormier will do better because, uh, like, he did so badly the last time. He didn't do that. Like, he was, he was you know, he was hitting Jones with a lot of... Disappointing for what we were expecting the fight exactly, to produce. Like, like, if you told me beforehand, Cormier was able to break into Jones's range, he was able to break through his his knee kicks, his, you know, his jab, his, you know, his high kicks, I would say, Jesus, Cormier is probably going to win the fight. But he didn't. You know, Jones beat him pretty well in there for, you know, three, four of the rounds. So, you know, if he couldn't do that and get inside again, you know, he can't be as bad as he was last time. I think he'll, he'll have a better chance. And I think it will be a closer fight because that, that OSP fight, as you said there, a lot of people are kind of writing it off. And I tend to do that as well. But maybe maybe we shouldn't. Maybe that's a bit foolhardy. Maybe, you know, maybe there is a little bit of a change in John Jones. And as you said, like, he's been going to decision a lot lately. And you know, that's a bit harsh as well because he's been fighting a lot of good the guys. The best but, guys in the world. Yeah. yeah, he has still been going to decision. Like, so... You know, Carmi, if he can, if he can improve that cardio, if he can stay with Jones even for an extra round, like he gives himself a big chance. But, but he's fighting John Jones, and I don't think he can win. Very quickly, Sean, before we move on to the other fights that are yeah. happening over the week, prediction. Lay your hat on it. <sighs> you know, I kind of convinced myself there that Jones is gonna gonna keep him on the end of his jab and stuff. And so I think it could be a late finish for John Jones. You? I'm going to go with John Jones as well. I'm not too sure how. I'm not, like, <clears throat> I I have a feeling. So don't That's hate me for this. going to be a good night. Yeah, no, good. it's going to be the opposite of that. UFC yeah, 200, point. everyone is saying it's going to be nothing but brilliant. I have a yeah. bad feeling that there's going to be a couple of stinkers on this card. There I definitely will be. I, I just have that, and I feel the main event could be one of them. I think that it could be the same sort of tentative stuff that we saw in the last fight. Not as exciting as maybe people are expecting. I think people are maybe, maybe the same people that reacted to Pacquiao versus Mayweather. Do you know what I mean? I think they're kind of yeah. just trying to convince themselves that because this is the main event of the biggest UFC card that they've ever done, then oh, that they're just going to stand in the middle and punch each other and it's going to be pure violence. When in reality, it's not going to be that. Daniel Cormier knows his best way of winning this fight is to grind out John Jones for the five rounds or at least to grind him out for enough to get the majority of the rounds won in his favour and survive for the last two. We're not getting caught up in this stuff again. This, this is going to be the best fight ever. Everybody tune in, everybody watch. And then, oh no, actually, yeah, we, if we had a step back from the excitement and moved ourselves away from the whole promotion and where this fight is taking place, 
and the significance of it. You know, we can get caught yeah. up in that a little bit. I agree, but I, I still think, you know, it won't be a great, a great fight for maybe the the casual fan, but I think for people like us and people who, you know, hardcore fans of sport, I think it'll be a, a grueling battle. You know, one of those, just those fucking tough, hard fights. You know, it's not going to be the best fight in the world, but like the last fight, I think it's going to be, a, you know, a fucking titanic battle just fought out between two lads, forehead to forehead, right there. Like, I love a bit of that. So I picked up, I was kind of hoping that we'd move on to this next fight a couple of minutes ago because I made reference to the first episode of Embedded. On that also, it went down to Brazil to watch, uh, to get a bit of footage of Aldo. Now, there was something that was said in it that you'll probably hear countless times from every fighter, but the footage in it kind of made me think, okay, they're actually being serious here. I think it was Aldo's uh, partner that said in the video that he's training like the Aldo from WEC, that he's coming to finish the fight, that he maybe lost his way a little bit over the last couple of years, and that the McGregor loss was a massive motivation for him. Watching him hit the pads in that video, I had to say I was completely captivated by it, and I think that this is the fight that is going to take all the plaudits of the weekend of UFC 200. I said it from the start anyway, I think this is going to be a great fight. The first fight, mm, yeah, it was pretty good. It was very enjoyable. One of the more enjoyable Aldo tile defenses in recent years. Made, made that way because of the way that Frankie Edgar fights. But this time, now you're coming into it with Frankie Edgar I don't want to say thinking that he can win because I'm sure he thought he could win the last fight as well. But now I can see a scenario where Frankie Edgar beats Jose Aldo in this fight, especially. I think he, I think he could knock him out cold. Looking down our list of fights here. I I actually am most looking forward to this fight. Um, You know, the last couple of weeks has been fucking manic watching lots of tape for all these different fights and writing up previews and stuff. And this is the one that kind of stood out for me because it's, it's so intriguing. Like, if you just take them right, we look at where they are right now, right? Jose Aldo just got knocked out cold by Conor McGregor. How is he going to look coming back from that? That's, that's a huge question. Frank Edgar is probably fighting better than he's ever fought before. You know, I think people have little, maybe a little bit overestimated how good he, not how good he is, but how much of an improvement he's actually made. I think he's, he has improved Little, percent, little percentages but he was always a very very good fighter uh, and I think if uh, Aldo fought the way he fought back then and Edgar is where he is now I think Aldo wins that fight every time to be honest but the, the big thing is where is Aldo where is how is Aldo going to look that's the question and that's an, an unknown so analysing this fight I have to analyse it based kind of on the last fight and based on the improvements Frankie Edgar has made and looking at that last fight I watched it twice during the week there, and Aldo absolutely ruined him. It was it, I, I, watching that fight at the time. Like I, re, it was a big realization of like how much the way I've looked at fights and the way, you know the way you know people break down fights better now than they did back then. Because a lot of people were saying, "Oh, maybe Edgar won," you know, or Aldo won three two. Uh, I think I thought Aldo clearly won that fight four one. It was a lot to do with Joe Rogan's commentary as well. I think even myself, I think I was probably drawn into it back then. It was just terrible, but Aldo put on a, a fantastic display and it's great to watch Aldo kind of without the guise of him fighting Conor McGregor because when you're watching him like you go back to appreciating him being <clears throat> pound yeah. for pound best fighter 
But when you're when you're watching him for McGregor, you're watching him like, oh, how would he do against a guy that long who kicks like that? You know, who's going to kick him in the legs? Who's you know who's going to be fighting on the outside? So it's it's different. You don't really look at just what he's doing. But when you're watching him fighting Edgar, you're watching him fighting the same guy he's fighting this weekend. So you're watching him fight the same way, and you just appreciate how unbelievably good he is. Like his jab in that Edgar fight was. Maybe you know they talk, you talk about I think it was GSP against Koscheck where he did, had the unbelievable jab. I think that was nearly the second best jabbing performance I've ever seen in the UFC. It was just unbelievable, and he lost the fourth round because that happened he in the octagon <coughs> anyway. Hey. <Yeah>. <laughs> he lost the fourth round because he stopped jabbing. I think he maybe took the the round off or something, but he came back in the fifth. He started doing it again. Anyone? And <coughs> by the way, that was a sex joke, not a domestic violence right. joke. I, I didn't. But anyway, yeah. But um. The thing, looking at this fight, right? Uh, uh, how does Frank Edgar go from losing four rounds to one against Jose Aldo uh, to beating him this time, right? So there's two ways he can do it. I think he can do it by Jose Aldo being absolutely shot, shot. his <laughs> chin being gone, and he can't fight anymore. Or he does it by pushing Aldo against the fence and hold them there and grinding it and getting takedowns. I think that's the, you know, th- those are the two ways he does, does it. And the second way is nigh on impossible because Aldo is so good at getting out from the fence and he's, in my opinion, the best takedown defense in the history of the UFC. So that's going to be very, uh, very hard to do. So like, if you're picking Edgar, okay, you can pick it on, on his improvements and stuff, but Edgar hasn't gotten any bigger. Jose Aldo is still bigger than him. He's still going to have the advantage when in the reach. He's still going to be able to jab him. Okay, Edgar got in. He landed a few shots against him. You know, he took him down from from uh, leg kicks and stuff like that. He countered his jab at, at sometimes, but I think the gap is just too big. Unless Aldo is completely shot altogether, I think he'll win this fight. If you're talking, like a lot of people maybe will think that Frankie Edgar will be able to use his speed, but the leg kicks just completely nullified that. In the last fight. And it, sorry, a guy like Frankie Edgar took big damage from those leg kicks. And everyone keeps saying, or everyone said throughout Aldo's career, that the leg kicks were easily his biggest, biggest asset. But I think it was the fear of the leg kicks that allowed him to be able to land the strikes that put away most of the guys in his career. Do you know? And I think this could be a similar situation this weekend. If Frank, I, I still do think Frankie's going to win. I think Frankie has a finish in him here against Aldo. I think he's just riding a massive wave of momentum. The finish of Mendez, like, I, if we're going back to the first thing that I'm going to boast about that I did call in the podcast, I did say that he would knock out Chad Mendez just for the record, Sean, but whatever. If we're, if we're looking at him, being, if he's able to fight like he did against Mendez against Aldo this weekend, I think it's a good weekend for Frankie Edgar. As you said, the biggest question is going to be is where is Aldo at at the moment? Yeah, the coach has said that. Yes, the training partner said that. Yes, his partner said that as well. But we're not really going to know. It's the same as Daniel Cormier. It's in Aldo's head. Do you know what I mean? Only he knows himself where he's at. And the person who, the, what will solidify the thought in Aldo's head most is when he walks back to the corner after the first round this weekend and we see how he starts against Frankie Edgar. I think if he comes out tentative and wary in his head that his last fight ended so quickly that maybe something like that could happen to him again. Edgar's coming off a very impressive finish in the first round as well. You could see a tentative Jose Aldo and if Edgar's able to put the pressure on him and have a good first round, like a good, very, very good convincing first round where he mixes in all of those things that you spoke about a second ago and his best ways to win the fight then I think we could see a very different Jose Aldo. 
for the remainder of that fight. But if he comes out back believing in himself, like, I'm going to go out here and I am going to wreck this guy. I've already beat him once. I'm going to put an exclamation mark on it. I'm going to get my rematch against McGregor. I'm going to be able to show everyone that what happened in the first fight was a fluke and that it wouldn't happen if I got to fight him again. Like I've been telling anyone, like all of my supporters have been telling everyone, this is... Both of these guys, I don't want to say this in a bad way, they're looking past each other, Sean. I don't care what they say. They know that a win here can get them a fight with Conor McGregor if Conor does venture back down to £145, which we're still not really sure if that is going to happen or not, or it's going to put them in the position to be crowned the undisputed unified champion if and when Conor vacates that £145 belt. Yeah, uh, yeah, I agree with you. Um it's just you know, it's such an interesting fight. Like uh, my the second point I said there about how Edgar wins the fight, pushing him up against the fins, getting takedowns, and you said about the leg kicks. That that's you put those two things together. He has to attack the leg kicks, and this is a huge thing. Attack well off was, the leg kicks. You mean like no, no? He has to attack the leg kicks. He has if when uh, Aldo kicks him, he has to attack. He has to g- grab Aldo's leg and take him down, or he has to land a big overhand right and get inside. He has to attack the leg kicks. That's, you have to do it against Jose Aldo. <laughs> when I was writing my fucking Conor McGregor, Jose Aldo, big breakdown, about 3,000 words for an 11th fucking 13 second fight. Uh, I, I wrote a lot about that. Watching Aldo's fights, you have to do that. That's how everyone has success against him. And that's going to be, you know, Aldo, or Edgar knows that because he realized that in the last fight and he changed up and you saw Aldo stop throwing the leg kicks in uh, maybe in around the late third round going into the fourth and fifth um, so you know Edgar knows that that's that's one place where he won against Aldo you know Aldo's leg kicks are very dangerous when you let him kick you but they're also a big opportunity you know to attack you need to attack him you need to take him down from him you know, you you need to get inside uh, when he does that. But Aldo's smart as well. Aldo knows, as I said, like he stopped around the leg kicks when Frank Yeager was winning that realm. So he knows, like he has other weapons. It's not just leg kicks. But as you say, he's going to throw a lot of Marianne and he's going to try to hurt Edgar, take his, his speed out. But for me, the speed is a big thing for Frank Yeager. But Jose Aldo is also very fast. And I think, you know, his, his speed is underrated a little bit. And look, uh, when I'm thinking about this one, I just can't stop thinking about how much bigger Jose Aldo was, how he won the battle of the jabs. Like Frank Edgar, like he's a small squat man. He's, you know, his combinations are very good. Like that Chad Mendes fight, when he's fighting someone his own size, he can beat them, you know, in in that range. He can, you know, when he can throw three or four combinations, he can definitely hit you, he can knock you out. But how is he going to throw those three or four combinations against Jose Aldo? Right? The f- like he's not going to win the the battle of the jabs, I don't think. And when you can't win that battle, it's very hard to put two or three after him. You know, he's going to have to do what Cormier kind of did in the last in the last Jones fight. He's going to have to get inside, going to make it very tough for Aldo, and that's very very hard to do. You know, you're going to have the big cage. Aldo, you know, Aldo is one of the best strikers in in the UFC. Like, I'm I'm. You know, the way to talk about this fight is like Frank Edgar has no chance, but he, he like he has a chance. But I don't know if Aldo's anywhere near. If he's ninety percent of what he used to be, I think he'll win this fight. Pardon me, wants to see this fight go to the ground, Sean. Shockingly enough, yeah, jujitsu man. Yeah, well, Aldo's very good jujitsu, doesn't he? Frank Edgar's jujitsu, we don't see much of it. But Frank it's Edgar well. has a black belt, I believe, under Ricardo Almeida, yeah. Enzo Gracie. He would work, I believe, as well with John Danaher. All of those guys are a connected family. 
as such. They're all Gordon Ryan. Did I wonder? Did yeah. No, he definitely. I definitely seen him training with Gordon Ryan before I online. Just said, I just said that, so I'd look like you I said Gordon Ryan and Ga- yeah, Gordon Ryan and Gary Tonin, yeah. um, Eddie Cummings, and all of those guys. Yeah. I do think that's going to be a really interesting part of the fight if we get to see it there. Unfortunately, we, more than likely, we're not going to get to see it there unless. Aldo accumulates enough damage and gets tired enough that his wrestling defense or him, like, as you said, Aldo probably one of the best takedown defenses in the UFC. But if he's tired and when he's on the ground, is he going to be able to get back up as easy? Do you know what I mean? I do want to see middle of the third round, Aldo with his back against the cage, sitting down, Edgar Landon strikes and see, can he get up quick enough or is Frankie able to pull his back off the cage and initiate something on the ground? Countered by that, is Aldo's jiu-jitsu as fabled and as good enough as we've all been told that, yeah, okay, I'm tired at this point, but my jiu-jitsu is still sick enough on this point. John Danaher put up a great post on Facebook today about St-Pierre versus uh, BJ Penn. And St-Pierre said to him after the first fight that he felt he was seconds away from passing BJ Penn's guard. And that's what he wanted to do because BJ Penn used to boast about having this unpassable guard and that's what they worked towards doing in the second fight, which he ultimately did. So, I don't know. I'm just really looking forward to this fight regardless. I think it's going to be exciting no matter where it goes. This is one of the fights, yeah, whatever people may be thinking about Jones and Cormier, I don't see a way. Famous last words, of course. I'll be back here next week absolutely eating my words. Um, I don't see a way how this isn't the fight that steals everybody's attention this weekend. Yeah, I think. I, um, I don't know. Apart maybe, from, <coughs> I think it'll probably steal the hardcore's attention because I think it'll be that good. It might be, you know, it might be fighting night. There might be a slobber knocker somewhere else. But I, I, I agree with your point. You also made a great point there about <coughs> how Aldo gets tired a lot late in fights. Well, not a lot, but he's done in the past. Hominick most, uh, most notably, and that could, you know, that could be a factor coming off of what a seven or eight month layoff as well. That that could be a big factor, um, but I think there's another point as well. And Graham made it to me that Aldo's, you know, if Aldo's fighting in this fight, you know he's healthy because Aldo will pull out of a fight if he's that healthy. So like if he, you know, if he shows up and fights here, you know that he's going to be 100% healthy. So I think that's a big thing as well, especially coming off of that obviously that big lo- that big KO loss to McGregor. So yeah, this you know this is just going to be a great fight. We're talking about, for. we're talking about a big KO, Sean. Mm-hmm. Do you think the Super Simone will get one this weekend? Oh, definitely. Really? Yeah. I can't wait for this fight. So you're the you're the Danny Segura to my Luke Thomas. Yeah, Jeez, that, that was good actually. I, I appreciated Danny Segura and Andy MMA beat. I thought he was very good. Uh, yeah, it's like Brock Lesnar has been out since 2011 or now 2016. He's been training for four weeks, and now he's fighting Mark Hunt. Okay, go on. Is that, like, do I need to say any more? <laughs> yeah. How is he going to win? Uh, like German okay, Brock- suplexes. <laughs> German suplexes. Kimura, he's going to fucking Kimura. Oh uh, God, I don't know. I just, I think it, I think it'd be foolish to pick anyone, but but uh, Mark Hunt in this fight, like Brock Lesnar, obviously he, he's a big takedown and stuff. He can take him down and he could pound him out. But Willie, Willie, Mark Hunt's takedown defense has improved unbelievably over the last few years. You know, we know what Brock is going to do. All he has to, you know, okay, all he has to do is, is dodge a takedown. But he just has to be very, very wary of the takedown. And Hunt has done that before against guys. You know, actually, like, I definitely see Brock Lesnar coming in here, Hunt hitting him with a big fucking uppercut right in the face. Brock Lesnar turtling up like Bob Sapp, like, he, you know, he's done in the past. Okay, let me, uh, let me counter that a little bit. Yes. 
Mark Hunt has great take down defence. Mark Hunt had to fight Frank Mayer and Antonio Silva in his last two fights. Mark Hunt has been fighting guys that do not have anywhere near the explosive power and nature of Brock Lesnar. It's not a heavyweight shooting, on a, uh, shooting a double leg on you. It's a guy that moves like a welterweight shooting yeah. a double leg on you. Brock Lesnar has some of the most unparalleled power and athleticism in the UFC's history, if you're going to go with that way. It's not Mark Hunt's a big fat guy that can punch someone and knock them out in one, one shot. It's Brock Lesnar is an absolute superhuman freak that I think will be able to get Mark Hunt down with relative ease. Now, I'm not disputing the fact that Mark Hunt, while Brock is going for a takedown, could land a shot, could land an uppercut. I think Brock is going to be very prepared and know that that is probably one of the main eventualities or one of the main keys of Hunt's victory. I don't think Brock will be shooting for anything unless he knows he's going to get it. And even then, I wouldn't be surprised to see Brock try and back him up a little bit or walk him down a tiny bit up against the cage so he can instigate the takedown so Hunt's back goes up against the fence. Because the less space Hunt has to be able to throw those damaging shots, i.e., you're defending a takedown while you're being pushed up against the cage. That's going to be the key here for Brock Lesnar. I'm even going to go out on a bigger limb, Sean. Throw it back to my early gambling prediction days that I still never let my friends down uh, to remember. 16-1 to 1, Brock Lesnar was to submit Shane Carwin. I think Brock Lesnar is going to submit Mark Hunt this weekend. He could as well. You're kind of convincing me here a little bit. But- I, on, I, just, I can just see it. Like I, I really don't see how... like. People think this is a straight whitewash for Hunt. Don't get me wrong. There's all of these questions over Brock. As you said, four and a half years since his last... No, December 2011 was Brock's last Yeah, four and a half years. Four and a half, yeah. Four and a half years since he's last been in the cage. I think that's huge. No, no, I'm completely agreeing that is a factor. And it's the same reason that I'm doubting is Aldo really back to what he is because of what his people are saying... The same, reason, the same reason Brock is saying that he's now healthy. Do we know is he as healthy as he should be? Do we know that he's completely clear? Is it going to be in the back of his head? We saw how he reacted to strikes. We heard Pat Barry say that when he was brought into train with him, Brock yeah. did very little sparring, very little like strikes in training. We saw um, in the Velasquez fight the funny gifts of Brock moving around and being completely dazed by strikes. Pretty much showing a guy who pretty much had to learn striking from when he became a mixed martial artist. It's not like Brock has a background in striking. You know that people, when they don't want to strike and they're not used to being struck when they get hit, they just react completely differently. Brock Lesnar is one of those guys. But I still think that he has the ability and all of that in in his reservoir of talents that he is going to be able to take Mark Hunt down and either ground him out to unconsciousness because, fair enough, Mark Hunt may have good takedown defense, but I'm not backing Mark Hunt getting up off the ground with Brock Lesnar on top of him. Whatever about his takedown defense, getting up from the bottom is going to be a massive, massive, massive task. And if Brock hits that early, if he hits the takedown within the first minute, first minute and a half, he then has three and a half minutes on top of Hunt to do whatever he wants to him. Mark Hunt isn't going to be doing anything off his back, Sean. I was just thinking there as well while you're talking. I've gone back. I absolutely think Mark Hunt is going to destroy him. <laughs> yeah. Brock Lesnar, okay, you're think- when you're t- talking about Brock Lesnar there, you're thinking of Brock Lesnar who fought Shane Carroll and Frank Mir and Andy Couture. That was 2008, 2009, 2010. 
five five or six years ago, like, and he's had four weeks training camp. Four weeks of training. I think that's in, all in bullshit. He's he's known. He's known he was going to come back at two hundred. He was talking about getting guys back in, like when he was on Sports Center, like fucking three weeks ago. This he, oh, he's doing this for a fucking payday. Like Mark Hunt's going to destroy him. Come on. <laughs> I really like. Okay, uh, come here. Are I, we able to do a live sort of thing this weekend? <laughs> because I don't know if you know. There's no media room for UFC 200 yeah. until the post-fight press conference. So I'm going to be in the arena. And um, they've got press boxes in the stands as well as a press row with power and stuff like that. So I will be available for something like this because I want to see your reaction when Mark Hunt loses. I just want that reaction. Like, I just can't, I can't fathom Brock Lesnar coming off, you know, pumping weights in the, in the WWE and not having hit a pad in six years. And he's like, oh, I'll come, I'll trade for four weeks and fight Mark fucking Hunt. <laughs> How the fuck? Like, uh, if if he does this, this is one of the greatest victories in the history of the UFC. I think if he does that, it just that's a bit it, of a stretch. Ah, uh, no, but it is. It's fucking. How oh, can you have six years and you have four weeks training and you're fighting Mark Hunt? Because he's Brock Lesnar. Uh, that's true as well. Yeah, but this is fucking madness. Like, I, you know, I, I don't know. So, are you like, on, this, look, this if is, you're looking at the things yeah. that Brock Lesnar has achieved, Sean? What do you think is greater? Coming back after four weeks and beating Mark Hunt or ending The Undertaker's streak. If he's able to end The Undertaker's streak, he's definitely able to beat Mark Hunt on four yeah, weeks' notice. Fair point there. <laughs> I hope they have Paul Heyman walk him out. Like, it'd be a shame if they didn't. Heyman has to be in his corner. That would and, be some yeah, crack. His post-fight interview has to be Paul Heyman speaking for him. <laughs> yeah, Brock just says nothing. Uh, oh, I'm I'm sorry there, Joe. He got knocked out heavily there by Mark Hunt after six seconds. You know, it was a tough one, but he'd be back against the big shot fucking SummerSlam. Brock Lesnar's five to four to win this fight, Sean. Are you serious? Yeah. Oh, what, what is Hunt? Hunt is eight to thirteen. Hunt by Put KO. Mark Hunt to win in round one is five to four though as well. So yeah, the bookies have it as likely as Hunt winning in the first round as Brock winning the fight in general. Free but money, lads. Brock by submission, fifteen to two. Oh, wouldn't be the worst bet ever. Wouldn't be the worst. I can't wait for it. It's one of those fights. Like there isn't that much analysis for it. Like Hunt will either knock the shit out of him or uh, <laughs> or Lesnar will take him down. Effectively, like, that's, that's about it. That's about it. Oh god. So right. to the fight that could headline any other card. Well, I don't want to say any other card, but a lot of UFC cards set the calendar year of 2016. Before we talk about our fight with Amanda Nunes, Sean, it was a big week for Misha Tate. Was it? Yeah. Boy. She got to meet her lookalike, the Irish Misha Tate, Liam McCourt. Finally, the world has a picture of the two of them side by side and together. You have no idea what I'm talking about, do you? Yeah, I do. That Liam McCourt one you're always talking about, you were crushing her, that one. No, Leah trains with us, so I'm yeah, biased. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> so there you go. But either way. <laughs> you, were, you were wanting to stop there. And <laughs> no, no, work. not at all. Like, like I, I'll, I'll gladly admit... Like, I do think that she, in particular, is going to win uh, the World Championships this week. The same reason I think uh, the people that I'm friends with and the people that I train with, like Paddy, Mickey, and Martin, are going to go very, very deep in the tournament as well. So I have, no, uh, I have no problem in admitting, from a domestic point of view, yeah, okay, we're trying to be professional, yeah, we're trying to be this and that. But when you train with people and see how good they actually are, Sean, it's a completely different, it's yeah, a completely you, different you thing. You always pick your teammates. Like, yeah, you always pick- so... And they never win, like, they're always losing. <laughs> That's not true at all. You picked Damien Rooney to beat Tom Duckelwalk. Come on. What were you thinking, like? 
Right, so this weekend, Misha Tate fights <laughs> uh, Amanda Nunez. Fire kid for life. Yeah, so what do you think of that, Sean? I you bastard. <laughs> I apologise. Your team is very good. They'll win every fight they're ever going to be in from now on. Uh, yeah, I think this is... Um, <laughs> Are you okay? Are you oh, no, up? I'm fine. Don't worry about me. Oh, you care about me now? Uh, I'm sorry to take the piss. Poor, uh, oh, poor, um, poor Andrew. You're okay. I apologize. Andrew, okay. For, for the record, I've just sent you the picture on Skype. Go tell me that they look like twins. No, I did not look anything alike. Okay. This podcast is done. Call, call Niall call Pizzi don't care I'm done I'm going on ho- I'm going to Vegas tomorrow you finish this yourself I'll put you go put fuck you. yourself <laughs> well yeah she's got to win anyway I believe in her as well come on Ireland let's go uh, yeah but this fight is watching tape in this fight I think Amanda Nunez is the most talented 135 pound uh, female in the UFC right now I think she's that good but I still think we should win um I think, like, Nunez is, she's her striking. Like, we spoke about at one of our very first podcasts how um, women's MMA, you know, it's still it's still coming along. You know, you, you have Ronda Rousey, who's very kind of one-dimensional. You may she take, you know, she's not the best tactician, or she's a very good fighter, but, you know, d- d- people are still, you know, people are still improving an awful lot, and you don't have these unbelievable tacticians like you had, you know, say, like, uh, Anderson Silva coming through back in the day, you know, he was one of the first ones, and even like Rich Franklin before him a little bit. But before that, you had like Tito Ortiz, who's kind of very man and stuff. You're at that sort of place with women's MMA now. But I think Amanda Nunez is one of the new breed. She's one of, you know, she's an exceptional fighter. Her takedown defense is unbelievably good. She's really, really good on the outside. Her feet are absolutely beautiful, and uh, you know, in Pervert. the. How dare you? In in the uh, when she fights on the outside, she has be- lovely kicks, good jab, nice hands, everything. She's everything you'd want in, in a good fighter. Power, speed, everything. I really think she's the most talented fighter in the 135 pound division. But uh, Misha Tate has that savvy. She knows how good she is. She she's like a master game planner. I think Misha Tate is. She showed that against Holly Holm. I think she's going to be very, very cautious in the first three or four rounds again, like she was against Tolly Holm. I think she's going to stay on the outside, wait for Nunez to make the move, get in and try to take it down. Now, Nunez is very good takedown defense. I don't think it's going to be that easy, but Tate is very, is very good takedown. She's maybe one of the best wrestlers. Uh, you know, obviously, Sarah McMahon is up there and stuff as well, but she, she's one, definitely one of the best. Uh, she's gonna. I think she's gonna try to push her, push her against the fence when she comes in and land that big overhand right shot. I think this is the fight where it's gonna show Misha Tate's power as well. I think she, she has very good power, underrated power, uh, and I think she's probably gonna land one big one on Amanda Nunez. But this this is a very good fight. I'm really looking forward to this fight as well. There you go. I'm not too sure about it. I think it could be a banana skin for Misha Tate. Like you said, yeah. she has the ability. To pull stuff out, she pulled it completely out of the fire, and we spoke gushingly about her on that podcast. Podcast because it was a do or die, a fight or fly sort of moment for her career in general, and she took it with both hands. But top level athletes, Sean, don't always make those game winning shots every single time that they're expected of. Do you know what I mean? That was a one. That was a Misha Tate who had, was on her on her way to losing that fight comprehensively on the scorecards. 
and pulled it from the fire and became the, the world champion. If something like that happens or if Nunez uses all the abilities that she has and she is able to work on Misha Tate in the stand-up, which I think she will have particular um, success in, maybe not throughout the course of the fight, but I think she's definitely going to be able to hurt Misha and throw her off a little bit on the feet. Is Misha going to be able to recover? Is she going to be able to rally? Is she going to be able to dig deep and do what she did against Holly Holm in order to keep her belt? Those are the question marks that I think still remain over a Misha Tate title reign. People are like, if Ronda Rousey does decide to come back and she does fight Misha Tate, has Misha's grappling improved enough in that time to be able to stop Rousey? I know that she gave a very good account of herself in the last fight, but is it a sure set thing? It's like, I was thinking about this earlier on when we were talking about the the Aldo fight. A couple of years ago, people were clamoring for the super fight prospect of Anthony Pettis versus Jose Aldo. And now look at the two guys. Not to take away from either of them, but people thought they were going to be champions that would continue to dominate the divisions for an, for, an, exactly, for an extended period of time. And I think we're at a transitional phase in mixed martial arts where we don't have dominant, dominant champions littering throughout the division. Do you know, I do think that we're in a time of transition where the belts can change hands over a short period of time. If Amanda Nunez, who does have the beating potentially of Misha Tate, went up against Holly Holm or Ronda Rousey, she would get ruined. It's kind of like the trifecta that we... Mm, it's the trifecta that we spoke about at Light Heavyweight before of Anthony Johnson, John Jones and Daniel Cormier. And I think that's very relevant in the women's 135-pound division at the moment as well. I do still think Misha's going to get a win. I do think she's going to continue her dominance. But is Misha going to be the sort of champion that's going to have three or four title defences at 135? It depends who she fights. Yeah, I think if she fights Ronda again, uh, Ronda will probably beat her. But is Ronda going to fight again? That's the question. Like, I think Holly, I'd probably pick Holly to beat her in, in a rematch. But, you know, who else is going to beat her in that division? I don't think there's anyone. Like, I, I give, you know, I, I see your, your point is correct. Like, you're definitely, but I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't put it out of the question. I think she could, like, Amisha Tate's a very good fighter. Um, I think, I agree with you as well, said Amanda Nunez is a possible banana skin. Like, this fight, you know, Tate's a big favorite. I don't, maybe, I don't think she should be as big a favorite as she should be. I think she, you know, I, I'm obviously picking her to win the fight. I think she'll win it by, you know, landing that big shot or, you know, just using her savvy, using her intelligence to win the fight. But if we, you know, if we woke up Monday morning and Amanda Nunez was the new UFC bantamweight uh, women's champion of the world, I would not be surprised in one bit. To be honest, I wouldn't. She's very, very good. Would you? Would you Sorry, be I'm yawning, and I was about to. I was about to correct you to say that if we woke up Sunday morning, because the fight is happening on Saturday. Oh, yeah. oh well, I'm going to sleep all day Sunday, and I'm not going to wake up till Monday. Okay, well then you can wake up Monday morning and find that out. Like it is, uh, it is a little bit of a cliche that we always like to say. If we woke up, is it a realm of possibility? Yeah, Amanda Nunez being the one thirty-five champion wouldn't completely shock me in the find out that she beat Misha Tate. But for all things considered, for this weekend's fight, for the occasion that's in it, you're also looking that fair enough. Misha Tate got her dues in the fact that she got the UFC world title in her last fight. Now yeah. she's getting to defend it on the biggest fight card that the UFC have ever had. This can be a massive win for Misha Tate. There's going to be a lot of eyes on the product. It's a chance maybe for a second, I don't want to say a second female star to be born within the UFC, but for another female star not named Ronda Rousey, not named Paige Van Zandt, to get a massive amount of exposure for the hard work and sacrifice that they've done throughout their career. Alternatively, it's also the same platform for Amanda Nunez. So that's why she could have an even bigger bit between her teeth. Hometown girl... Um, or is Misha Tate from Vegas or just trains out of Vegas? She trains out of Vegas. Trains I think out she's of from Vegas. Uh, Seattle. 
Really? Yeah. I will check that out. No, Tacoma in Washington. But oh yeah, maybe okay. So there you go. Either she way, supports, she supports Seattle football team. The local girl <coughs> yeah. has her chance to put her name there on the biggest stage that the UFC have ever produced. Herself and Brian Caraway are still on f- to be the first ever. The, the Romantum Wits. The Romantum Wits. Remember that? Uh, I do you remember you. that? I hate you. What? Just. We came up with that. Yeah, I know. I remember that was a special. That was a special. That was time a special in my life. moment in the podcast <laughs> history, and you're just throwing it away like nothing. The Romantum Wits. I can't wait. It'll be a good sitcom. There's Eric Winter. We know you're listening. Yeah. There's the thing for Fight Pass. As soon as you give Brian Carway the title shot and Dominic Cruz slips on his way into the octagon and uh, Carway is the champion by default, then you have to go with the Romantum Weights. Six-part series, mm-hmm. UFC Fight Pass. Me and Sean will host it. I'll narrate it. Even better. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to try to do a bit of narration there. Go on there. What would, what would the first episode be? Would they get into an argument in the grocery store or... Misha and Brian are in the produce section today, shopping for some zucchinis. When Brian discovers, he left his credit card at home. Brian, I can't believe you did that. You're always, you're always, just because I got the bonus, because I'm the one that earns more money, you think I'm going to pay for your fucking zucchinis every week? Misha, this was a genuine mistake. I left my wallet at home. Genuine mistake, my ass. The same time you forgot it when we were at dinner the other night. $500, you ordered $500 in cocktails? We're a couple. Come on. I don't care if people are looking, Brian. I am not paying for your fucking zucchinis. Please, Misha. Why do you always have to make a scene like this? I'm not making a scene, Brian! (laughs) That is the best show ever written all over it. Like, Come on. Bestseller. Netflix you original. Misha, you make a good Misha Tate, I must say. <laughs> Thank you. I definitely have the voice down to uh, to a T. Sorry, I am uh, I'm now composed, I'm out of character, and I'm ready to move on. Right, so let's get to the rest of the card quickly before we move on to the other two cards. Madness this week. Kevin Velasquez against Travis Brown. I think this one, if Kane is in any oh, shape at all, if he's in sorry. good shape. Is Ronda going to be there with Travis? Yeah, I was wondering. Guess who's been brought into the cage if Misha wins? The Rob Bantamweights fucking spin-off show. Could be. You'd never know. But anyway, yeah, I think um, Travis Brown, his biggest struggle is from the clinch. He, he, you, we spoke about John Jones earlier in the clinch, and you know he's a great uh, Muay Thai uh, plum and stuff, and he does very well of controlling people with his back against the fence. Travis Brown is the exact opposite. He's terrible. He can't control people against the fence. And Cain Velasquez is best when he's pushing people against the fence, putting his forehead against your forehead and beating you that way. I think that's that spells disaster for Travis Brown. Now, Brown, he has those McGregor elbows um, when when guys come in and try to take him down at the waist, which is very dangerous, and Cain needs to be watching out for that. But I think... Kane will push him against that fence. He'll batter him with shots. I think Travis Brown will go down and it'll be a TKO in the first couple of rounds. What about uh, Travis's improvements in the clinch? Such a boxing marvel in Edmund Tarverian. Yeah, his boxing now will obviously be on, on point because he's co- uh, coach Edmund with him. But yeah, I don't think it'll matter. I think Ken Velasquez will be getting side too much and uh, it will nullify that coach Edmund boxing. One thing that I'm actually quite excited for in terms of this Cain Velasquez fight, aside from the fact that he's no longer, that we will be, he will be back to being C-level Cain, which is a, a big influence, he, um, him and DC have been peaking together for this fight. 
So DC didn't have Velasquez for the last training camp with John Jones. Velasquez was out, in, was out injured, I believe. The yeah. two of them are now back in tandem in the gym. Luke Rockhold had a fight recently as well. This is... Or did he? No. He did, yeah. He did, yeah. Sorry, I don't know. Yeah, 199. Um, so this is the kind of... Um, then again, obviously, he didn't peak for the result that he wanted. But they all would have been in the gym together getting ready at the same time. And at these bigger gyms where you hear the issues of guys maybe coming in for camp, letting themselves get out of shape and just coming back, doing their camp, and then maybe going away again for a month to take time off, this isn't happening at this time. You have all the guys there together at the one time. I think Ken Velasquez is going to absolutely run through Travis Brown, unfortunately. I don't think it's going to be that much of an exciting fight. I think... I don't want to say Brown has regressed because everybody had all of these high hopes for him and thinking that, like, I remember the UFC Boston card, that time when he beat Alistair Overeem, everyone was losing their absolute mind over him. And it just seems to have taken a couple of steps backwards since then. I'm just, I'm not completely sold on the idea that Travis Brown can one day become an elite heavyweight, like one of the best heavyweights that they have and even become a champion. But I do think that Cain Velasquez has a chance of getting that thrown back. So if you're putting these two guys, it's like one guy is on the way back up, one guy is on the way down. Maybe I'm being unfair on Travis Brown there, but I don't see anything other than us than Joe Rogan saying or Mike Goldberg proclaiming excitedly about Ken Velasquez is back, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, I I wouldn't be as pessimistic about Brown. I think he's a good fighter. I think he, I don't think he'll be a champion, but he could. You know, he's the heavyweight division is a kind of funny one you know he's always going to be there thereabouts but I agree with you and I think Ken is going to beat him um, in the undercard then you have uh, Johnny Hendricks against, against Kelvin Gaslam just going to be speaking of a man know, on a downward spiral yeah I think that's going to be a good fight though I think they're two very similar guys big uh, hard hitters good wrestling um, you have Diego Sanchez against uh, Joe Lozon. I think it's going to be another, you know, shootout on the feet, and it's going to be very good. Of, like this is a jiu-jitsu fans' dream. That goes to the ground. Two very good jiu-jitsu guys. Um, Gegard Musasi against uh, Thiago Santos. I think Thiago Santos is going to knock him out. There you go. There's my big undercard pick for the our underdog pick for the week. Uh, and Jim Miller against Takanori Gomi as well. Good fight. You forgot. Um, I didn't forget. I'm going back to Sage oh, Marcos okay. against Enrique Martin. What, what do you think about Sage coming back? I can't. I I can't wait because TC Carroll is going to miss out on the opportunity to meet Mister Northcutt once again. Senior, not Sage. No, not Sage. His dad. Not Sage. Oh yeah. Yeah. Exact same posture. The same way Jeremy Botter stands. They're pretty much identical people. Um, Both from the same place as well. Am I right in saying that? Katie. Katie in Texas. So we actually got a question about Sage that we're going to link into later on. But maybe the Brian Barberena fight has shown. That Sage North, like all, all of these stories that have come out since, like the TriStar thing, his dad pulling him out of sparring. Um, wasn't there a Thai fighter that had a big social media post as well about his dad having too much of a stranglehold over his training? Yeah, he did. But go that back was TriStar for a good few weeks. I think he was there for five or six weeks in TriStar. So hopefully, I don't want to say, okay, that sounded bad. I was going to say, hopefully, his dad copped on and decided what was best for his, his son's career here. You were right, though. But. This is going to be... I don't want to say this is a telling weekend for Sage Northcutt because, yeah, if he loses now, he's, what, he's 7-2, and two, but he's still ridiculously young. I can't see the UFC ever letting this guy go for the, unless he turns out to be an absolute crap fighter because he is... People 
seem to care about him so much. Do you know what I mean? He has a massive, massive, massive star potential. And unfortunately, it was cut short earlier on, which will work out better for him, I think, in the long term. Because there's absolutely no doubt that he has the ability to be one of the most... I don't want to say the best fighters at 155 or 170, but he definitely has the ability to become one of the most explosive and one of the most um, exciting. Yeah. Uh, didn't we get to TJ Dillashaw against Rafael Essence? How yet another uh, rematch in this on this uh, card? Um, you know, I think TJ will have enough for Essence this time. I think he actually uh, won the first fight. Uh, looking back in it, uh, and Essence got the decision. I think it was in Brazil. Uh, I think TJ has improved an awful lot since. And Essence has. I don't think Essence has even fought since that, has he? He's been he's been out injured for a very long time. Um, but you know. Knife. He's oh. fought he twice. Didn't, he he beat Frank Carwitz. I got mad. Oh yeah, but he fought quickly after that. He hasn't fought since 2014. Yeah, yeah. I think um, I think TJ will win this. I think he's improved an awful lot. You know, he's that would that probably was kind of the first fight of Sean those great improvements. And I think he's kicked on an awful lot since then. Um, so I think that's that's a good fight for him. But I think it'll be another very good fight. I think it, that's. It's one of those ones that's going to be. You know, you have a lot of big guys kind of fighting and, and uh, that. You know that's one of the lowest weight fights on the on the card. I think you you know watching that after maybe some of the other ones you could see the the speed of it's going to be make it look you know going or make it stand out above the other ones. Whatever. Friday night fights. Wait, just oh. before that, Katzengano against Juliana Pena as well. Last fight, that's a very very good fight. A well, number one contender fight. Yeah, Katz, uh, Juliana Pena, only one in the, the card, never to have lost in the UFC. Uh, Katz and Gano has That's a stat for you. There you go. That's a useless stat. That's a Sheehan day. stat. Uh, Katz and Gano have beaten both Mishadet and Amanda Nunez who are fighting for the title at the weekend. So this is a big one. This is a number one contender fight, possibly, if Ronda doesn't come back. Uh, so I'm really, really looking forward to that fight. Like, I've. Juliana Pena is, you know, she's close to Team Sheehan, I think. I've always read her very highly. Uh, and this is obviously the toughest fight of her career. But The female wonder boy. <laughs> well, I wouldn't go that far now, but maybe the female Khabib or something like that. Uh, she, you know, she actually fights it, not like Khabib, but in a kind of a dominating wrestling kind of way. Take you down, you know, hold you down. And... You know that could be a, bit, a little bit difficult for Katzengano, but I I think this one is going to be blood and guts for as long as it goes. You're gonna, you know, they're gonna wreck the the, the shop. Uh, octagon. The octagon is going to be covered in fucking blood for come Ken Velasquez and Travis Brown. That's my prediction. We'll take that. The fans will right. take that too, Sean. Right. Speaking um, of someone yeah. being covered in blood and leaving in a horrible way, unfortunately, I can't see Claudia Gadella's Friday night going any better than what I just described. <laughs> Joanna Joanna Jinjacek is, first of all, this is a shout out to Marcin, who I spoke about earlier on, Marcin Zambella. He's a Polish guy. He trains in Newry as well. I'd say he is absolutely salivating at the prospect of getting to see Joanna fight live this weekend. Yeah, it's going to be good. Another another rematch. So, fair enough, the last fight, a lot of people did think Joanna lost. Well, they're all wrong. Why, Sean? Tell us why. Because she clearly won. I, like, I, I was talking <laughs> to Graham about this the other day, and uh, he was like, oh, I, I scored it for Claudia. And I was like, watch it again. And if you scored it for Claudia again, fair enough. But you didn't. You definitely, definitely will score this for Ian Jacek if you watch it again. He watched it again, and he scored it for Ian Jacek. Like, I, I, I think it's a really easy fight to, to score, to be honest. They're, Ian Jacek clearly won the first two rounds, and, and she lost the third. Uh, I don't know what people were thinking of the, the first time when they watched it. Um, 
and I think since then, Claudia has obviously improved an awful lot, especially with her hands. But Injecek has improved, uh, you know, exponentially since then. Her takedown defense is so much better. Her striking has improved for MMA. You know, she was still kind of holding on transitioning to transitioning from the yeah, Thai boxing style. Exactly. Yeah. I think this is going to be a very good fight. Early, Claudia cuts a lot of weight to get down, and I think that doesn't help her when the later rounds come, even though she won the third round in the last fight, but in previous uh, in previous fights, she's looked a little bit tired coming to, you know, the third and fourth rounds and stuff. But, um, yeah, I think I think Ian Jacek is going to win this fight. And I'd be, you know, Claudia could be in the first round, she could take her down and stuff, but I don't think she's going to keep taking her down for a full five rounds. And I think when, once it comes to the third and fourth round, Yinjetic will have put enough damage on her to f- probably finish or definitely win a big decision. You think it could go as far as the decision? Could, yeah. is very tough. Like She's very, very tough. And she, her wrestling is very good. And you know she's good at keeping people against the fence. She did it to Yinjetic before. I, I know Yinjetic has improved an awful lot again, but I think she could do it again. But uh, yeah, it, like this is a close fight. Gadelia's striking is actually good as well. Like, but so you know, I wouldn't rule her out of this fight. But I think Injetic is definitely a, you know a huge favorite. I, I'd be very surprised if she lost. Joanna said in the media very recently that she, after this fight, she would like to fight for the women's one hundred and twenty-five pound title if yeah. they do make one of them. Joanna could become um, the first person in UFC history to hold two UFC titles at one time. Yes. I think she is probably the best chance of doing that at the moment. Um, in in the term of. Uh, a time frame that they could actually like set that up. Do you know what I mean? Because say yeah. if Connor holds on to the forty five belt, it's unlikely his next fight will be for a one fifty five pound strap. Um and as you said, Claudia cutting a lot of weight. The one two five division I think it just needs to be made. I know you maybe disagree with me on this. Yeah. I wouldn't be too mad about it, but I just Like Valerie let her know has come out and said that or someone close to her then come out and said like she's practically death making one hundred and fifteen. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And there are a lot of women that would struggle to get down to 115 pounds. I think 2.5 would be an absolute welcome addition, especially in the new um, with the new weight cutting things that are coming in where guys this weekend as well, UFC 200, all the fighters will be able to weigh in from 10 o'clock in the morning. So that's, uh, that is going ahead and I think it's going ahead from here on out for a lot of Vegas events. So hopefully we're going to get to see a change in the format of the weigh-ins, UFC weigh-ins. There's no point in getting them onto the scales anymore. So they we did they did it last edition. I know, but we need to think of something different. Yeah. Garrett. Cannons or something. Um, t-shirt guns. Where they shoot out Maud Flanders, yeah. Guns. Or a game of, what's that sport that's been on your Snapchat? Kabaddi. Kabaddi, yeah. A quick game Definitely. of Kabaddi on the stage. I 100% agree with that. Elsewhere on the card, Sean, there's no, I'm not going to say there's not a lot to get excited about. The deb- UFC debut of Will Brooks, who, by the way, I heard a rumor he's on fire. Um, is going up against uh, Ross Pearson. A lot of people thinking Ross Pearson's been fed a sacrificial lamb here. Yeah, I don't think he, like Ross Pearson's a very good fighter. He's good takedown defense, good boxing um, against Will Brooks. That's kind of what you want to beat Will Brooks. But uh, maybe he's just not good, to, you know, not good enough to beat Will Brooks. I don't think. But I don't think he'll get smashed. I don't think this is going to be you know Sage Narcot against that that. Uh, that dude, what was his name, with the dad bod and the, the long hair. I don't think it's going to be that. I think Ross Pearson is a very good fighter, and uh, he could definitely put it up to Will Brooks. Um, I, I, you know, I like this fight. I think his making's a good fight, but I think in the end, Will Brooks will get that takedown, and he will. Um, 
he will win a two two of the three rounds at least uh, and take the decision here. So bad of me to say this, I'm actually looking more forward to Thursday's card than Friday's. Yeah, but what, just on Friday as well, just before we get into Thursday, do watch how he's fighting. The uh, very, very exciting um, prospect. Uh, he's fighting Tiago Tavares, so definitely look out for him. He's uh, 14-1. Remember, he knocked out Sam Cecilia with that big fucking shot in, the, in yes. his last fight. Yeah, and Graham Maynard as well, John Moraga. Maynard at featherweight as well. Maynard at featherweight, yeah. And Jake Matthews is one of my... He's fighting Kevin Lee, actually, another good prospect, but Jake Matthews is one of my... Close to Team Sheen as well. He, you could call him. You could call him the next wonder boy as well. Maybe not. Not a hundred percent on that, but very good fighter, and I like him a lot. But yeah, the Thursday, Thursday night card is very good as well. Mainly because of the Irish interest in it, Sean. We spoke about it last week. Joseph Duffy takes on Mitch Clark. Your thoughts have not changed since last week. I hope. No, I, I'm writing up my uh, writing up my preview for this. I think, uh, which is out now on severemed.com, you can read it. Uh, I think Duffy's going to work the body. Uh, you know, we, spo- we speak about a lot how, how good his body punching is, how slick his boxing is. And I think he's yeah he's going to beat Mitch Clark. Uh, you know, we spoke about it last week. Mitch Clark is like a, a Diet Coke version of, uh, of Dustin Poirier. And that's exactly what Duffy needs, that challenge to get back. In back to winning ways, um, and it's good, you know, to see how his improvement, what improvements he has made, and how how he's looking uh, since that Duffy loss. One or the Paria. One or one probably, one yeah. last thing on the Joseph Duffy issue. I think that the fight is going to fly under the radar outside of the Irish fans' excitement for it, and I Definitely. think that's going to be a massive thing for for Duffy. Originally scheduled to fight Paria in the main event in Dublin, there were people that were very interested in it at UFC 195. There was a little bit more buzz about it because the fact that he had pulled out, you know, more people were, despite it being, it was also the first time uh, Fight Pass had a prelim featured bout. Am oh, yeah. I right in thinking yeah, that? I think you're correct, yeah. It I think it was. Anyway, yeah. Well, it was. It was a really good one, yeah. The st- if it wasn't the start of it, it was definitely near the very, very start of it. Yeah. And there just seemed to be a lot more eyes on it. I think that may have affected Duffy, too. This is now where we're going to get to see maybe his coming out party, how he's reacted to losing his first uh, UFC fight. All things are looking good here. I can't wait for this fight this Thursday night. Yeah. Elsewhere, um, on that event. card. Yeah, Rafael Dos Anjos against Eddie Alvarez. This, this fight, <sighs> I think it's. This is, I think are look, you are you flipping, Sean? Are you no, flipping? I'm not. I picked Dos Anjos yesterday. My picks were out, so I can't. Uh, I can't flip on it. But we we spoke about it last week that we were going to talk about this this fight. And let me just let me just be honest here, right? <clears throat> when Rafael Dos Anjos beat Anthony Pettis, the internet was a buzz with accusations of Dos Anjos taking PEDs. Let's be honest here. Now, I'm not saying he's on PEDs. He's never failed a drugs test. He's been tested you know, quite a lot. There was a USADA graphic, actually. Yeah, exactly. I favoured it on the podcast account. Did you see it? Yeah. In the court of public opinion, he has a little bit to prove, right? He's not in the proof to me, or he's not in the proof to himself, but in the court of public opinion, he still has plenty of proof. He's only fight since so that his was... his uh, priority list is himself, number one, <laughs> Sean Sheehan, number two. Sean and they never run it. Yeah, but he's only fight since that was like, what, 70, 80 seconds against Donald Cerrone, where he basically hit him once and Cerrone gave up. Uh, so this is a big fight because Eddie Alvarez is not going to give up like Donald Cerrone gave up. Eddie Alvarez is going to keep coming when he gets hit and, you know, it's going to take a lot, a lot more to stop him. So this is very interesting. Like, if the Sanios can keep up that pace he, like he kept against uh, against Anthony Pettis, I don't think there's many people going to, uh, going to beat him. Uh, but 
you know, there's a question over whether he can keep it up, you know, and the people are going to, you know, the mm. knives are going to be out uh, about him, you know, with the, this whole Usada thing, if he loses or anything. And look, that's kind of where we are in the world at this moment. But he, as I said, the court of public opinion is definitely still out in him. I think Eddie Alvarez getting to the, to the actual fight itself is a very good fighter. And like we spoke about it as well. He's he's not what he used to be. Eddie Alvarez, you know. No, 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 no. Well, go on. He's not. He's not as good as what he used to be in say in Bellator and stuff. He's you know his decisions in the UFC. You know some of those wins maybe aren't exactly uh, wins. He's two and one. I don't think he he deserved the title shot. I think there was better contenders before him. But he's a dogged fighter. He's st- like Dos Anjos style. Okay, he's to pressure you, and he's going to make it a dog fight. You know, he's going he's going to wrestle you. He's going to push you against the fence. Eddie Alvarez does, doesn't mind that. He's he likes to counter He doesn't like to push forward. So when he when um, Dos Anjos push, pushes against him, he's going to shove that big overhand right into his face and try to hit him with it. When Dos Anjos push, pushes him against the fence, he's going to try to turn Dos Anjos and push him against the fence and take him down. So it's going to be an absolute dog fight I don't think it's going to be a great fight but it's going to be sweaty and bloody and you know unless the silence knocks him out quickly which could happen as well because he has a venom in that left hand uh, go on your, your thoughts you disagree with something like yeah that? I think Eddie Alvarez is going to be the new lightweight champion when he wakes up on, on Friday morning okay. Sean and I think that we've spoke about his start of his UFC career so the Donald Cerrone decision first UFC fight whatever octagon jitters Still, I think, gave a good account of himself and rallied later on in that fight. I didn't think there was any issue over the two split decisions. I thought he, I thought he beat both Gilbert Melendez and Anthony Pettis. But I think how he's fought in the UFC thus far is not a fair and accurate representation of his ability as a fighter as a whole. You saw the Eddie Alvarez that absolutely tore through. Admittedly, lesser opposition than what he was facing in Bellator compared to what he fought in the UFC. Can't disguise the fact that he beat, in my opinion, the greatest lightweight of all time, the scumbag himself, Shinya Aoki. We'll get on to that. On, on another, uh, Aoki. What's so- wrong with flying armbars? <laughs> no, but like flipping people off and deliberately breaking their arms sort of stuff. Like, Yeah, but yeah, you can break lads' arms. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. It's no it's well. It's an arm if you go um, back. I, I still think <laughs> it'll grow back. <laughs> I think this is like people are sleeping on Eddie Alvarez. They're basing too much off his last two fights. I think stylistically it's going to open up much better for him because, as you said, Dos Anjos is throwing venom in his hands. Okay, Anthony Pettis was going through a fight life crisis against Eddie Alvarez. Do you know what I mean? He didn't really know where he was or what he was able to do best. Do you know what I mean? He he'd gotten away from what he was so good at, and guys were finding him out. Blueprint Pettis, whatever like that. Gilbert Melendez, also one of the best one fifty fivers to have ever fought. Do you know what I mean? So he was going up against cagey opponents. But now he's fighting a guy who is going to come out, as you said, with something to prove. He's on trial. He's on the dock in the court of public opinion. Rafael Dos Anjos is going to be looking to come out, especially after the UFC 196 incident. Do you know what I mean? He's going to come out and put an exclamation mark to say, I'm here to fight. I'm here to get a win. I'm here to get a dominant win. And I'm not going to fuck around here, lads. But Eddie Alvarez, that's the perfect fight that he wants. Do you know what I mean? He wants him to do that to him. Eddie Alvarez is going to throw heat in this fight. I think we're going to look at an Eddie Alvarez stoppage within the first three, Sean. I think he's going to beat Dos Anjos and I think he's going to beat him well. I like it. I, I appreciate your moxie. I do appreciate it. I, uh, I pick I an pick Alvarez to win. If anyone read my preview on this, I'm picking him because I think his striking is a little bit cleaner and I think this will be five rounds of very, very close action. And when it's like that, 
I think that striking, being cleaner, in the like ninety seconds of of action in the open, which will be in every round, I think, I think that'll show, and I think that that's big in the judges' minds. I think things like that actually when you fight like, and they should. That's the way the fights should be scored. Uh, it's you know, for, for, you know, three minutes of uh, holding a guy against the fence, doing nothing, and thirty seconds of, of absolute of, carnage like. face. The thirty seconds means more in that case, you know. That's how MMA is, is scored, and that's why I think Pettis beat uh, um, Alvarez oh. in that fight. But that, that's for another day. But yeah, I think you know. I don't think this. It's a bit like the Carmia and Jones fight. I don't think it's going to be the best fight in the world, but I think it's going to be an interesting dog fight. I think that's what it's going to be. It's almost. I want to say. I want to steal your point about uh, how Duffy's going to attack Clark. I think Dos Anjos is going to go for the body completely on Alvarez I think the, the left hook to the body is going to be the absolute money shot for Desanos here it's how Alvarez like Alvarez has taken damage in the UFC already and we saw him wilt a little bit under Cerrone's some of Cerrone's shots as well um, but I don't know I think Desanos has the ability to stop him too and like the sort of stuff that he lands one of the shots and it just takes the wins out of Alvarez he nearly puts his hands on his knees and then Desanos just, fin- just finishes him or he, st- he staggers back a little bit but if we're talking about light versions of fights, I think Roy Nelson and Derek Lewis is the light version of Mark Hunt and Brock Lesnar. Uh, a little bit, maybe, yeah. Um, people kind of seem to love Derek Lewis. This is funny. I was thinking, thinking about this fight last night, right? And the heavyweight division, there's a, a close line between elite heavyweights and... Tough men fighting in, in the, out the back of a pub in the inner ring made with barrels and rope. I think there's a very close line yeah. down that. I, I think Derek Lewis is a little bit closer to fighting out the back <laughs> of the pub than he is fighting in the UFC, to be honest. I don't know. He just comes across as that way to me now. He has some good wins. He has some good knockouts. And if he gets you in your mount, you're absolutely fucked. And right, say that goes for Ryan Nelson. That goes for fucking Cain Velasquez. You know, if he gets you in your... in, If he mounts you, you are screwed. But uh, I don't know. I'm just not convinced with, with Derek Lewis yet. He has some good wins, obviously, um, over the likes of Gabriel Gonzaga and, and, and a few more. B. Jared Rashall back in the day as well. But um, yeah, I think Ryan Nelson, remember his last fight? Who, who did he fight? He he came out in a very slow kind of manner. He And people were saying, oh, he looks shot. You know, he he's not the Ryan Nelson he used to be. He was against Jared Rashold, actually, as well. Sorry, the big wrestler. But I think Nelson did that on purpose. You know, he did it to... The rope-a-dope. Stop, you know, (laughs) stop the wrestler. He did it, you know, he's going to land that big overhand rider. He's going to, you know, win the decision. He's going to jab him out. And I think he's going to do something similar in this. I think he's going to be very, very wary about getting anywhere near Lewis, giving him a chance to take him down. I think he's going to force Lewis into doing something a bit insane, um, coming in, you know, with his hands down or something like that. And I think that's where Nelson is going to strike. I, you could see he, he's a good, like, up, you know, uppercut when he gets in close. Uh, I think he knocked um, Matt Mitri on with, uh, with one of them, kind of, as you're coming in, he not hit you with it. Or, like, that big overhand right is obviously always going to be there as well. I think Ryan Nelson's grappling is underrated. And it has been people kind of forget. Like Ryan Nelson used to be a grappler; he used to like never punch anyone. But I think that uh, if he can stop Lewis from taking him down, stop him from getting into the mount, I think he's going to knock him out. So I think this fight has the potential to solidify either Roy Nelson's retirement or his place as the ultimate gatekeeper in the UFC's heavyweight division. He's three and five in the last three years, Sean. 
he certainly is not the fighter that he once was. And even then, when he was the fighter that he once was, people were like, right, this guy has a big shot. Do you know what I mean? And he has the grappling background, but is he going to... Is he going to get himself in shape? Is he like he can be a, a much better explosive heavyweight? But I don't think he has any intention of ever doing that. I don't think he has any intention of being that guy. He's very happy doing what he's doing. And I think the only way that he gets this win is the fact that Derek Lewis's record is absolutely littered with KOs and TKOs. It's going to encourage him to want to stand with Roy Nelson. And maybe he's going to realize that his fist will not do anything on that steel man's head. And Roy Nelson will be able to catch him in those big exchanges standing as well. Yeah, we're on the same card, so Ryan Nelson's gonna win. Yeah, I like barring uh, Derek Lewis. Barring, yeah, this could be the weekend of finding out who shot Sean. Do you know what I mean? Like across all three cards. Do you know what I mean? This could be the turning point for a lot of guys' careers. Ryan Nelson, especially. I like he's like best case scenario. Somehow Mark Hunt wins a world title, and (laughs) Ryan Nelson knocks two guys out. They're gonna make that fight. Yeah. I think uh, just before we get on to the questions there, I think Middy bagged that against John McDessie on the undercard as well. I think that's a good fight. Uh, Middy is coming is on the was on the Conor McGregor season of tough. I think he's a he's a good fighter. It's, uh, I picked him to win that fight because I think he's a bigger and he's faster than McDessie. And McDessie could be another one of those guys who maybe he's a little. I wouldn't say he's shot, but he, you know, he's a little bit past his prime. Um, Anthony Burchak as well. You know, he can. He's a good. Uh, he is a good fight in him once every so often, and Gilbert Burns as well. You obviously you you'd be a big fan of him. Had you just yeah, there you go. Not a bad old card. So um, a lot of fights, a lot of excitement. I will be sick of watching mixed martial arts by Sunday morning. That is an absolute fact. Mm-hmm. At least for a couple of days until we get home ready to record next week's podcast, um, which oh, is going to be a big one. Next week of next week. Are you going to say anything? Uh, no, we'll uh, we'll just give a little teaser. There's going to be two podcasts next week. From Severe MMA. One is one same as always. Me yeah, and Sean. One same as always. Chatting. Shoot, shooting the breeze. Shooting the breeze. Shooting the shit. We're going to talk about my holiday. We're going to talk about how fun Vegas was. We're going to talk yeah. about the success of the Irish amateurs, which we will get onto a tiny bit now before the questions. Yes. Um, but we are having a guest joining mm-hmm. us next week on the podcast. Yeah. On a special podcast that will be recorded live from New York City, ladies and gentlemen. Well, one, one part of us will be you in New York, York City. <laughs> I will be in New York City. I'm flying to New York on Sunday night, and I'm going to be there for a couple of days. Have a little business to attend to. Have a couple of errands to run. <coughs> Cough. Job interview at MMA. Fi- no. <laughs> That's a joke, by the way. Um, but no, it is a, a very, very, very special guest. Mm-hmm. And when we say a very special guest... We're not trying to make another joke at Jude Samuel for the Severe and Extra <laughs> podcast that we I did feel, a while ago. I feel bad now that I've actually become friends with Jude Samuel on Twitter and stuff. We're always he's on the a back legend. Of it. He's an yeah. absolute legend. Yeah, he's a some man apparently. So yeah. and a fan of the podcast too. So there's that, but also this far supersedes anybody that's ever appeared or anyway been associated with the Severe MMA podcast. Yeah, just wait and see. What I cannot wait and see this weekend, Sean. Mm-hmm. so I put up a couple of tweets about this the other day I feel like I wanted to just elongate on it a tiny bit on the podcast if you would allow me about the amateur world championships do it this there's is, only one Dave Fogarty so aside from the fact that we're all rooting for Dave Fogarty Yogurty Yogurty Dave Fogarty um, 
this is absolutely yeah fair enough last year Franz became a world champion Sinead Kavanagh uh, was runner up Karl McNally went fairly deep there was James Gallagher won his first mm-hmm. match um, but there was a couple of guys like there was a couple gone over now there's 20 from the north and south of Ireland there are 20 athletes that are heading over to compete at the IMMF amateur name. world championships <laughs> oh Graham will, Graham will be delighted with that. Yeah. So, um, so as I said, north and south, we've got 20 fighters uh, competing. Sean, just because you're going to make the joke anyway relating to me, we may as well start with the northern fighters. In the female division, uh, fighting at featherweight, Liam McCourt um, from Fight Academy Ireland in Belfast. Um, interestingly enough, I was told she was going to do 155, but there was only one other girl registered, and she wasn't prepared to go the whole way over to Vegas if that girl didn't make weight or just for one fight. So she's cutting down to 66 uh, in order to make, uh, to get, I don't want to say a bit more of a challenge, but to, you know, to be guaranteed fights. Um, yeah. At flyweight, Mickey Pereira from Team Torres and Yuri, joined as well by his teammates Porrick McGee and Martin Zambella, um, both fighting at Yuri. Mickey's doing flyweight, Pody's doing bantam, and Marching is doing welterweight. Ross McCarson is there as well from Next Gen. Aaron Kennedy, who I think competed at these tournaments last year as well. And at heavyweight, you have Scott Trelford, who uh, fought, I think, for his spot at the last Clan Wars that I was at as well. He got a win there. Now, on this team, if I'm looking down top to bottom, Aaron Kennedy, I'm not too sure how much he's been involved training recently I know he's back, but I do think he took some time off for powerlifting and weightlifting in the last year hasn't been too active on the local scene from what I remember uh, Scott Trelford I've, I know nothing about him aside from his last fight, so I'm not even going to comment on that, he's going into the heavyweight division so uh, best of luck to him in that, I will be there hopefully to see some of his fights but if you're looking at the guys from uh, guys and girl. I would not be surprised if you found from Leah to Marching all on the podium or winning their first one or two fights and giving absolutely great accounts of themselves. I think the two that have the best chance of winning their divisions outright there, to be honest, Ross McCarriston was on an absolute tear. He got silver at the IMMAF European Championships. Um, Leah McCourt, I think she got gold at the Euros as well, so it was going for double gold, you could say, in this. But... Paddy McGee is the very interesting one to look at here. I know he is one of my closest training partners and one of my closest friends, but he's, he's, he's finished everybody that he's fought in Ireland. He got knocked out by Arno de Santos when Arno was still an amateur. Paddy has had a very, very tough year in terms of being told this, like this week a year ago, he was told he would never fight again um, because of his bloods. And as we made a joke about it, it wasn't the rash and stuff like that. I think it's a clotting issue do you know what I mean so that if he did cut like if he got a bleed in his brain he's completely changed his lifestyle around he's had to completely change his diet and he's he works a full-time job he has a young kid as well he has a girlfriend too he's fair enough he's an annoying so-and-so at the best of times do you know what I mean and I still remember his first day in the gym in first jiu-jitsu class he looked like a heroin addict wearing a Man United jersey and he just was bone everywhere and really annoying to roll with but since he's got the all clear and since he's been sent forward, look, you're allowed to do this. I think he is going to captivate and he is going to garner a lot of attention for himself this week. Um, he also sent in a question to the podcast. He wants to know if his guard will be called, if his nickname after this weekend is going to be Alcatraz or Pythagoras. 
Do you want to know? Harris is going to triangle someone. Well, he's got absolutely phenomenal triangles and um, has won mixed MMA fights by triangle. And also Alcatraz, because once you get into his guard, Sean, you don't leave. Can't get out of it unless you. I'm telling you now, in the gym, anytime someone starts to unload on him from top, strike wise, he taps them. Do you know what I mean? If he comes up against an American that takes him down, potties on his back, that's exactly where he wants to be. So I'm really looking forward to that, as well as uh, Mickey Pereira and Martin. Martin, a diligent amateur who's just been, he's taken his losses, he's improved. If he got beaten by a certain aspect in a fight, he's working on that massively over the next six weeks up until his next one. And Mickey Pereira, who has a touch of the potty McGee about him, a relative unknown amateur, one-on-one. His nickname should be Crazy Horse, Sean. I think if you have a chance to catch any of those guys on Fight Pass this week, which I believe they're streaming it live this time around, are they? Don't know. Okay, yeah. well, you tweeted someone saying that. I did, So, yeah, yeah so I'm going off that. Um, <laughs> so let's head, let's head down south of the border. Dave Fogarty, Alex Brophy. The Clark brothers from SBG, Tyrone Quinn from SBG, Keen Cowley, all representing SBG. Team Rhino have a large Thank contingent going out as well. Uh, that's a shout out to Keen Cowley Snapchat, which has been on fire this week, so we'll give him that. Um, Hugh O'Rourke, Ondrum Ghoul, Eric Nolan, Dermot Obukala, said your name wrong, Dermot, I'm sorry. And the oh, Sheehan, mm, uh, James Sheehan and Matthew Sheehan are both heading over from Team Rhino. My cousins. <laughs> good, good members of the Sheehan clan. Um, and I'm forgetting someone Nathan Kelly featherweight Nathan, um, Nathan had a very 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 impressive win against Ian Cleary at a battle zone a while ago that people really sat up like on the amateur scene and thought that was good like Ian had been fighting before Nathan had even started in mixed martial arts so that was good I think if we're looking at people that could like make good impressions here and definitely walk away on the podium Huey O'Rourke is an absolute prospect to be fair with he's a big uh, big influence in a lot of neil series training camps for ufc fights series made the joke about uh, being knocked out by him and training multiple times by huey o'rourke so he's he's one like he's i always like to make this joke that the team rhino lads are in a constant battle to who's going to be andy ryan's favorite illegitimate son because andy ryan has a load of girls in his family so huey o'rourke patrick wickstead paul redmond a lot of those guys are fighting in competition for who is andy's son so uh, and that's going to go down this weekend. Huey O'Rourke has a chance to put one hand on the throne of the Ryan throne and take a uh, potentially a world medal for himself. Dave Fogarty, will we give him a shout out as well, Sean? If we're talking Yogurty about ex- Dave. if we're come on, Yogurty Dave Fogarty. If we're well, talking about world. if we're talking about exciting guys off their back, like we were talking about Paddy McGee. I had the pleasure of training with Dave a while ago. His jiu-jitsu is looking very very sharp. Nice I weekend. will give Dave one thing. What? He's nice leg kicks as well. Very good leg kicks. His fights come out from the European Championships. He has a touch of own Roddy about him. He doesn't mind throwing them knees. You saw the videos over on SevereMMA.com of Roddy demonstrating techniques. He seems he's finally getting the recognition as the world-class coach that he deserves. But Dave, to be fair, from going away with Dave and spending a lot of time with Dave, we've, um, I've become very, very close friends with him since he joined Severe MMA. And the way that he looks at fights and the way that he looks at competing is an absolutely fascinating thing. He says, even if he knows that he's not better than the person, he still convinces himself in this mindset, in his training, in his general approach, that he's going in there and your man's going to be sorry for thinking that he even had a chance of beating him. And he's coming out with pure fury and aggression. I think he's, he performed very, very well. And it was a good... Um, 
a good experience for a lot of those guys to get that tasters at the European Championships. So now they're coming in at the IMAFs. I'm really, really looking forward to seeing that. Alex Brophy has a couple of wins littered through his career as well with submission uh, submissions. Probably some of the slickest jiu-jitsu we've seen on the Irish circuit, amateur-wise, in quite a while. Um, but Own Drum Ghoul, who had a phenomenal couple of uh, last fights in amateur at the Battle Zone cards, he would be one to look out for as well. Keen Cowley as well. He's the man that... kick someone in the head, like. He's bound to kick someone in the head and knock him out. Who, Dave? No, Keen Cowley. Well, this is it. Keen had a, you could say, a disappointing start to his mixed martial arts career at that time at Bama. But we saw in the third round what he would be capable of once he was able to put his stand-up together in a mixed martial arts format. You yeah. spoke about the Joanna Jinjacek transitional period from Thai boxing to mixed martial arts. Keen is going through that as well. He has had a child... He's engaged, I think, as well. He's running his own gym. He's young. He's saw what can be achieved through the sport of mixed martial arts. And he's already at such a massive advantage to other guys because of his striking ability. So if he's able to get everything else up to scratch, if he's able to take these amateur fights, good performance here at the World Championships, you're going to see maybe a viral video of Keen Cowley in his first fight knocking someone brutally out. Do you know what I mean? Because he's coming out to put a statement on. Fair enough, he could come up against the wrestler. He could be undone in later rounds. But Keen has the opportunity to make a massive name for himself and how he finishes or how he fights in his first fight because there's going to be a lot of eyes I feel on that first bout either way my point that I wanted to make at the start of all of this Sean this is a phenomenal week for Irish mixed martial arts I am so happy that I will be there to be able to see a lot of these guys fight to be at the amateur world championships Conor McGregor didn't have an amateur world championships Own Roddy Chris Fields none of those guys that had the MMA league that had mats and GAA halls to start off their amateur careers. Now, guys who are going down this path that has been laid down for the fight, by the fighters before them have the opportunity to train like pros, to go and become world champions, to get better experience as an amateur before they make that journey into pro. And even then, guys that are involved in the gyms and in the teams. For example, Pat McAllister, who's been around a long, long time, is going to be overdoing Leah's corner. He is an absolutely tremendous grappler. He was a brilliant MMA fighter back in the day as well. This is a great opportunity for him, for guys that have stepped away from the sport maybe, to be able to help others reach those goals. Barry Oglesby has been around the scene since 2003, 13 years, multiple gyms, um, gyms closing, gyms opening again, like growing his gym up to the level now where he has where he's able to send someone over that he taught from day one to the amateur world championships is tremendous. I think this is the feel-good story of Irish mixed martial arts at the moment, Sean. It's brilliant. Seeing Paul Redmond and Patrick Wicks that being chosen as, as coaches to go over with the Rhino lads and they'll be cornering a lot of Irish guys as well. John going over, he's experienced this before. He knows what this is about. We'll take it away from him a little bit. It's for the guys that haven't had the opportunity to do this yet and it's for the fighters that are getting the exposure to be able to compete on such a massive stage. It's beautiful. John. It really is heartwarming. Very good. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. Let's look to Dave anyway. Special oh, in, mention in, for Dave. In, for on, Dave. in, in particular, Dave Fogarty, yeah. take it home, son. If you don't, you're leaving, right? You're leaving. Hop off somewhere else. Go yeah. go snap those pictures for the other the other boys that are courting you. Wherever they may be. I'll take the pictures of my phone with my grand. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Look, we've got two smartphones, Dave. We can recover that, like, do you know? Actually, actually I have one of Dave's cameras. We just won't give it back to him. (laughs) I got got my my tablet working there the other day. I haven't turned it on in about, I'd say about 11 or 12 months. There you go. That'll do. We can take pictures of that. It'll be fine. Oh. There you go. 
Come, come on with your shield. Yeah, or on it, or on it. exactly. <laughs> By the way, on that, okay, yeah. are you a fan of Game of Thrones before we get into questions? No. So I, like I have never, okay, I have a wee theory about it. First of all, I've never watched a single episode of Game of Thrones before this week, yeah, okay? But in the interim, Sean, in the seven days since we last spoke, I, I've, I gaunted off, I ventured off to Eastern Europe, to Poland, yes. to claim all of the social media likes and rewards, and my girlfriend is interrailing. And with me going to New York, there was just an overlap of her arriving home and me being away for an extra like nine or ten days. So I was thinking, right, for the laugh, why don't we head to Poland, arrange it with our friends and surprise her in Poland? Ultimate sweetheart. Think of the likes. It was definitely worth it. Fort, unluckily, though, when I arrived there, for some reason, she had her hand in this other guy's hand walking down the street. What? So, no, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> so the reaction was worth it. I didn't even get to video it because my phone died. Aside from the fact that I know everything about Krakow, I now also know a lot about Game of Thrones because she's an, a massive fan. Um, I had my laptop. I downloaded the... I mean, we purchased the final two episodes of the, of the season. Downloaded from iTunes, yeah. I, I downloaded it on iTunes. I uh, got it, it. Paid for it, yeah. Through her iTunes account. And she was able to watch the final two episodes. So I was lying. I watched them as well. Now, I have a theory about Game of Thrones, okay? Everybody that likes Game of Thrones, everyone that thinks it's the best show in the world, posts about it on Facebook. They're yeah. the exact same people that would have called people that read Lord of the Rings books, weirdos, or yeah. grungers, or emos. No, not even that. Yeah, but it's the that. style of program that it is. Because it's cool and because it's popular, everybody watches it now. But seven or eight years ago, when there was alternatives in the same type of fantasy, you know, of Game of Thrones, now you're a grunger. You're a loser. That's shit. I like football. Do you know what I mean? Like, this is exactly how the world is going now. You're controlled. They're controlled by the media, Sean. Mm. So there we go. Either way, look, too long, didn't read. I went to Poland, became a legend, had a nice couple of days away in Krakow, came home, and I'm ready to go to Vegas tomorrow. Also, Joanna Jinjacek was all over the shopping centres. Was she? Yeah, she was on, um, I think it was previewing her fight, actually. So do you know the way there's TVs? There could be TVs or information screens. Yeah, there was like a looping video of Joanna Jinjacek playing in uh, the biggest, in the big train station, in the main shopping centre. Sweet. Right, you pull up the questions while you're doing that. Let me give a shout out to our sponsors, rosnutrition.com, Ireland's leading supplement provider, is what I'd call it. They call it. have some great stuff. I'm just on the, looking on the website here. The website's actually really good as well, uh, rosnutrition.com. They have Metamuscle, they have Krill Oil, they have BCAAs protein, sports performance, strength and conditioning stuff, everything you need. Uh, as Andrew uh, mentioned at the start of the show and mentioned on previous shows, they break it down for you. If you're a mixed martial artist or if you're a soccer player or stuff, they, they tell you what you need uh, and they'll, they'll, they'll have a package to, you know, for your needs. So you, you don't, you know, a lot of people don't really know what they're, you know, what they want or what they need. These guys break down for you. They make it simple for you. You get 25% off by using the promo code Severe May with your first order. So, if you order 100 euro worth of stuff, you get it for 75. What more do you want? Promo code Severe and rosnutrition.com. Perfect. Oh, As always, Sean, before we get yes. on to the questions, sorry, the shout out. Thank you very much for everyone who's got in touch regarding the t shirts. The first batch, we've got your money. They're being sent out today. Thank you very much for doing I'm going to throw up um, pictures over on my Twitter page and the Severe Twitter page. Simply, if you want them, send a DM 
or a message on Facebook to the Severe MMA podcast accounts. Give us your size, give us your colour and give give us your address. I will reply as promptly as I can with the PayPal link and then we will get them out to you as quick as possible. Unfortunately, it won't be until next week before the next shipment goes out. So anyone else that ordered today, they'll get theirs in the post before 5 o'clock today and you'll get them this week. Everyone else will be waiting until I come home um, from the States. The States. And for all your jiu-jitsu and grappling gear, head on over to scramblestuff.com. A good range of geese, t-shirts, hoodies, spats. Uh, Sean making jokes about geese again. They've got lovely spats, lovely no-gi gear in particular. So we're very happy to have this brand. We're very happy to have the t-shirts. So get them now. What are you waiting for? When they're gone, they're gone. When they're gone, they're gone. Okay, first question. Sorry, Mr. Podge, but you're being beaten to the first question this week. Not because you didn't have it in first, but because I think we're going to move away from mixed martial arts for the first question. The UK wing of severe MMA, Sean Betts. He wants to know, Sean, can you please explain, explain, not explain, explain the rules of this kabaddi thing? I don't really know myself. <laughs> <laughs> I just enjoy it an awful lot. It's a brilliant sport. If anyone doesn't know what it is, it's add it's Sean on Snapchat, sports. okay? Because yeah. he will, he'll show Sean she can be a. He covers it live and extensively. Also, I yeah. thoroughly enjoy your football commentary, especially in the last Portugal match. That was uh, I enjoyed your your Snapchat voiceovers on that. But Thank go you. on, explain. It's pretty much tag rugby. It's yeah. It's like right. There's with jujitsu. There's this court, right? And there's two halves. And in the, each half is broken up into like three segments, right? And so the full teams, I think there's like 10 on a team, right? They send one guy out into the other team, sorry, into the other team's half, right? And you have to touch a guy in their half and then run back to your own half to get a point. But while you're running back, they can stop you by tackling you. So if you all you have to get is one finger over the line back into your halfway line, and then boys have to, to fucking tackle you, right? So if they tackle you before you get back out, you're out. So then the other team only has like ten, your team then only has nine guys, and then you know five or six more get out. You know they've done, it could be down to like one against two against one, one against, I don't think it can be one against one, but I think it can be two against one. But yeah, you get all out and you get points then if you get inside a certain line. You know if you get to the, like there's like a black line if you get inside that I think you get like three points and you know the, the other line you get two points and one point you can get as well but it's unreal I don't understand fully the whole rules that could be totally wrong but it's good there's like loads of tackling loads of lads getting smashed and lads running all over each other so it's very good it is very enjoyable first question of the week uh, in the mixed martial arts well I suppose the last question outside of mixed martial arts Martin M-A-R-T-I underscore Lata would like to for us to explain a spicy bag Wikipedia says they can have peppers how do you eat them if at all very quickly, okay, I thought the place in Dundalk that does a nice spicy bag stopped them. Because the girl told me they did when I was in order one, one, one night. And I've been boycotting them ever since. But luckily, the court of public opinion has changed their mind. They're back on the menu. I got one last night. Depending on, on where you go, a spicy bag can either be a large brown bag, like that you'd get a portion of chips in to take away. Yeah. And it's just a bag of chips with shredded chicken and spices and herbs and maybe a bit of garlic and some peppers in it as well. Not exactly uh, red or black peppers, but do you know the wee circular peppers that are hot peppers? Or you can get them in a box, like a noodle box, like that you always used to see them eating takeaways and friends out of. Do you know that sort of, those sort of white boxes? And inside it, you've got a mixture of chips and the spicy chicken and the the seasoning inside it. Um, And I find they're better to eat out of that because... It's just contained in a nicer area. You can also get a bit of curry sauce on top of it. 
in the Chinese here in the Cross West, they do them as well. But they do them for like a kind of a family meal, right? And they have a munchie box. Um, oh yeah, it's a munchie box. Actually, oh yeah, I'm thinking of different things. Oh yeah, it's a munchie box. Yeah, and it has everything in it. it. Like, so it they're they're pretty nice. I prefer eating my spicy bags out of the little white containers because yeah. first of all, all the grease and the juice and the sauces are inside it, and I'm very unhealthy. So there you go. Mm, lovely. Next so question. onto the mixed martial arts. Gavin Springett wants to know any news, any news even on the UFC UK TV deal. Yes, there is. For some yes. reason, no dissing Simon Head on this one. For some reason, James Elliott decided to say, yes, we have made a decision on the TV deal. And then he must have just hung up the phone. <laughs> yeah, Tell us. Yeah. <laughs> you know, let us know. The sooner we know, the better. Maybe they're, just, maybe they're leaving BT. Maybe they're, like, surely if they were staying with BT, then it would be announced as a renewal. So that's, yeah. that's where my money's going. I think it's either BT or Sky. By the sounds of things. So we will so. see. Hopefully it is BT or Sky. If it's someone else, if it's Channel 5, if it's Pick, if it's something else, then that's a step back, in my opinion. BBC would be okay. I think Channel 4 would be okay. But anything other than that, I think Channel 5 would be a disaster. Yeah, big time. Cue the UFC announcing the partnership with Channel 5. Yeah, probably. Mr. Podge makes his return, though. He wants to know, watching old fights, he's noticed little use of the butterfly guard. Has its popularity led to less lane prey and better fights? Didn't Murillo Bustamante have an unbelievable butterfly guard? Uh, yeah, Maybe. but I think I think I think he has a point. I think it was more rare before. Maybe I think jujitsu in general has just improved with everyone in you know yeah. fighting at the top level. And I think you know in MMA, it's a big thing to get you know you get get your fucking feet on the hips and push them off. And I think you know a lot of people are kind of realizing that using the butter you know using the butterfly guard to to get those um, feet onto the hips or to, to, there didn't make that many sweeps in MMA but kind of turn them to the side and get you know stood back up but yeah I, th- yeah, I think that's a fair point yeah I think before like Tito Ortiz you, you don't really see kind of Tito Ortiz ground upon anymore from the guard do you you like if he you know you have to kind of open yourself up to land that sort of ground upon and I think if you use the butterfly guard in that situation you can usually get guys off unless they're very they have very heavy top games there we go we have one jiu-jitsu expert on this podcast and you also have me ladies and gentlemen <laughs> Eamon, <laughs> Mc- Eamon McLean wants to know do you think it was an own goal by the UFC putting the McGregor press conference 48 hours before the biggest event in their history? If by own goal you mean what's going to happen is the same thing that's ever happened every time Conor McGregor has ever opened his mouth and he dominates the coverage of mixed martial arts websites for the subsequent three days, then yes, perhaps it will overshadow UFC 200 a tiny bit. But I don't think it's... I think it's a perfect time. I think it's a great idea by the UFC to include that. Um, think the fans are going to be there for International Fight Week. It's going to be a heavy press conference. It's going to be an interesting press conference. Yeah, very interesting. I wonder what's going to be said like. It's. I can't wait. Because yeah, Connor's... I'm not, social media is going to be fucking terrible though for when it's on. Because you know McGregor's going to say, oh, you know, I, I was winning the first round and I got tired. And people go, oh, he's making fucking excuses. Yeah. What the fuck is he uh, talking about? And even he, he got so, submitted. He got submitted. Exactly. Like, yeah, he got submitted, but he was still fucking winning the first round. Like it, it's a bit weird. Like it's it's the know, internet the is never wrong, like, Sean. Yeah. So it was the same kind of in the Mendes fight. It was like, oh, he fucking you know, he knocked him out. That's all about it. Well, Mendes kind of took him down as well, and you know he was destroying him in the second in the second round. You know, but these these things get very fractured. I think is a good word for these things, but fractured, yeah. fractured. So go. my issue with it is, for example, the I did an interview with Dylan Dennis last week that um, 
went all over the internet by the look of it in terms of people sharing it and different websites running it but they were saying it from the point of view that oh he thinks bringing Danison is going to be able to stop Diaz yeah, it's oh like God. that's not what he's doing he's not yeah. looking on the internet and saying I'm going to get these people and they're going to stop me being like first of all Connor was when Connor lost to Diaz on the ground his head had been rattled right so that wasn't grappling against grappling do you know that was grappling against someone who has been hurt badly and is defensively grappling when they grappled and they grappled Connor swept Diaz with a sweep in mixed martial arts first of all that would be hard to hit in a gi or in a no gi rolling session let alone in a mixed martial arts fight okay I'm not saying that means Connor McGregor's better than Nate Diaz at jiu-jitsu. I'm not saying that Dylan Dennis is going to help Conor McGregor be able to submit uh, Nate Diaz. But Conor McGregor is not shit on the ground. That's just the underlying point of all of this. Everyone wants to try and make a point, and here's a reason why Conor has bad jiu-jitsu, and here's a reason why Conor's embarrassing on the ground. He is a very, very, very good grappler. And it's just because we haven't seen it in excess in his fights. People are... The same people that will say, yeah, but he's not going to be able to beat Diaz because of that, are the same people that when he was a young prospect, cocky, that everybody really did enjoy and like. But did you not see when Conor was able to take Max Holloway down and use his grappling against him then? Do you know, it's just, it's the world of mixed martial arts, public opinion. Do you I know? think it's more McGregor. He just, there's never been a fighter like him to divide opinion. Because like, people either love him so much that they can't see anything bad that he does or they either hate him so much that they can't see anything good he does and criticise it so bad. Like, I don't know. It's, it's like, it's pretty annoying because it's very hard to have actual real discussion about him. Like, but, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a very weird one because he's such a big star and he is such, you know, he is like Marmite. Pat, um, Paddy Pimplett said he's like Marmite, but I think Callum McGregor actually is like Marmite. You either love him or you hate him. And I think it's very hard, you know, to get an unbiased kind of a opinion on him, even even in fucking media terms, because I think, you know, it's it's... It's just weird. He like he's such a he's such a character, and he's such you know it's it's just madness. And I think that that's good for him, really, because it, you know everyone cares. Exactly. There you go. We care about it too much. We just spoke about it at length on a question. The Irish Karen would like to know if Sky Sports do get the UFC rights. Are we going to see more big events in Europe because they will have the pay per view aspect for Ireland and the UK? And how big will Sky Sports News be for the growth of the sport over here? Right. Sky it's Sports not News going to pay per view, but Sky yeah. Sports News is huge. I'd be very, very surprised if we went on box office in the next three or four years. Like, they want to grow the sport here and in a place where, okay, maybe you could go on box office in the future, maybe you could get that big. But the world is kind of moving away from box office and, you know, the culture here isn't that pay-per-view, like, especially when it's on the middle of the night. Okay, we've had ones years ago, these super fights where, like, Pacquiao or, like, Mike Tyson back in the day and stuff, and I know, like, the Anthony Joshua fights and stuff around, but boxing is different to MMA, like, especially in the UK, like, okay, it's it's big, it's big in the UK from the hardcores and stuff, but it's not like boxing, you know, it's not like, you know, Wayne Rooney, you wouldn't see Wayne Rooney tweeting out about, like, fucking, you know, John Jones fighting Daniel Cormier or something like that. You'd but see he, them like, tweeting about McGregor, though. Yeah, but, it, yeah, but if fucking, you know, if, um, if Tony Bellew fights something like you've got all these soccer players, you've people watching it like, and he wasn't even on pay per view like. So I don't know. I think there has to be change in the psyche towards the sport before you can put on it. Now they could do it, 
because wrestling is on it and I don't think many people are buying wrestling on it but that would absolutely bury the sport and I don't think the UFC would want that to be honest I think they need somewhere where the sport can grow I think Sky Sports News would be huge for that put it on Sky Sports 5 or something then you know on, on, on a night time I, like, I'd be very surprised if they put it on um, box office straight away I haven't seen this so hopefully you have but Brian McLaughlin said did you see UFC full blast on Fight Pass Kane was mic'd up for DC Jones 1 and the last scene made him really want Jones and Kane. Ah, Jesus. I haven't seen I it. I think I did a while back. I can't remember. First off, I'll have to watch it again. We'll have to watch it again. Okay. Em McLean also wants to know, is Robin Black a good replacement for Joe Rogan in the future? He's a similar loud and they've got, they've got similar loud personalities. I'll let you answer that one. I think Robin Black would be an excellent replacement for Joe Rogan, to be honest. No, like, he, he looks at fights completely differently from anyone else. As someone who is trying to start analysing and breaking down fights and is doing it quite well, <clears throat> you can surely appreciate how good Robin Black is at what he does. So it's like he would have a more... So Joe Rogan has it from a jiu-jitsu point of view, and maybe he touches on it, he does touch on it in the striking point of view. Robin Black is a guy that is an absolute encyclopedia of mixed martial arts knowledge. However, yeah. being able to translate that to a booth where live action is happening in front of you, I'm not too sure if he would uh, if he would be able to do it as well. Yeah, I think yeah, his his analysis is generally pretty good, but I, I don't know. I think he's better at at being in like a presenter in a studio and stuff like that and doing things. I think he's a bit maybe too loud and boisterous for uh, a play by play thing. I think it'd get a little bit too much maybe if you know he's. He's good for, you know, he's good at YouTube and even on television and stuff where it's, you know, short bursts to like five minutes or whatever, but seven hours of a night, that's very hard, not for just to listen to but for him to keep up as well. And I think it, it kind of changed him from what he actually is. So I don't, you know, I don't think he'd be suited to that uh, for, the, for the UFC, to be honest. But the things he does for the UFC already, he works for the UFC doing in like these uh, two or three minute analysis videos. I think the, the people seem to like them. So yeah, I think he's better suited to that sort of thing. Um, have you seen the Frasa Habi breakdown on the Hunt Lesnar fight and Ian Thornton wants to know what are your thoughts on it? I saw a little bit of it and... Um, I don't know he's, he's, Mark I didn't see it all now so I, I can't comment totally on it but have you seen it? no I just I heard about it, it as well. yeah so we I don't want to discuss it fully because I haven't seen it fully but ask me on Twitter and I'll reply back to you when I watch it excellent is uh, Zingano and Pena a title eliminator or will home and run will a home or rousey return remain top of the list that's from Minion McGrongan McGrongan MMA I think if Juliana Pena wins, she could get the title shot. But I think Katzengano is still maybe one more win away from it. Um, Will Martin with a spoiler alert. Will, I already told you about uh, the Irish teams earlier on, so there's one part of your question done. But on UFC Fight Pass, it says that 202 will be live on BT Sports. Is that a sign that the UFC are staying with BT or just business as usual? August. I think it's the end of August the thing is up, isn't it? Oh, so UFC 202 so, could be the last one on, uh, could be the on last BT one. Sport. Hmm. Maybe. Your your own brother Patrick wants to know who could you choose if you could choose between Rockhold Weidman, Chael, Hendo, GSP, Jacare, or Diaz for Bisbing, who would you choose? I choose GSP, without a doubt. There's only one. There can be only one. The return of Saint Pierre. Elliot Campbell, Gunnar Nelson versus Nick Diaz, which by the way was apparently rumored for UFC 202. How do you think it would go? As long as they got to grapple with each other, I wouldn't care. 
Yeah, I'm not sure. It's one of those tough ones. Um, I think it'd be. I think it'd be an even fight, to be honest. I'd love. To, that's kind of one that I want to see over five rounds. Maybe it'd headline a, a Fox Sports one card or something like that. But if you, I take it on the two or two card, definitely. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know. I'd have to think about it more. Watch it, some more of their fights and stuff. So, in fairness to them, they have a very good name here. The Jim and Tonics podcast sent us a question. Can Cody beat Mizugaki? And if so, what's next for him? Is he the new UFC's mainstream Golden Bright to promote? Absolutely, 100%. Cody Garbrandt is going to run through to Kane oh, yeah, Mizugaki. definitely, yeah. I do not see the new mainstream guy that they're going to promote, though. Nah, I don't think so at all. Yeah. Um, Keen O'Connell, there's only 121, wants to know your prediction for fight of the night and two performance winners for 200. Okay. Uh, I think fight of the night will be... Aldo Edgar. Uh, Aldo Edgar. And I think... Sage Northcott will get a performance. Mark Hunt will knock out Lesnar and get that. And I think... Um, Tiago Santos will knock out Gegard Mousasi and get one. Give us a fight of the night prediction as well for the Thursday and Friday cards. That's for Peter McDermott. Uh, okay, the ultimate fighter uh, card. Fight of the night, I think, will be uh, main event in Jacek Cadelia. And I think Duho Choi will get a knockout of the night against Thiago Tavares. And I think Jake Matthews could finish Kevin Lee. There you go. And for the other cards, what do you think? Are you I think I'd like to say that Roy Nelson somehow will get a fight of the night bonus. But more than likely, Eddie Alvarez is going to get a fight of the night uh, or performance of the night bonus when he dethrones Rafael de Sanos. And I agree I think, with you. I, think that, Duffy you know, one. I wouldn't be surprised, to be honest, either. That would be a good shout. I think Jen Jacek is set. There. She's going to win um, a performance of the night bonus as well. Yeah. Um, one or two more? Yeah, we'll get a, one or two more in because the longest podcast in history today, I suppose, for the, for the week that's in it, we may as well uh, have to. Keith Cavanaugh wanted to know, how's Vegas, you prick? Um, unfortunately, I'm not there just yet, but ask me that question tomorrow and I'll gladly reply to you. Um, if DC wins at UFC 200, can Jones DC 3, could it be the main event at New York instead of a McGregor-Edgar main event? That's from John Moran. Yeah, because I think Aldo will beat Edgar. There you go. Uh, Una Quinn who's actually uh, competing in the American Nationals this weekend another Team Towers member asked uh, the fights that we were most excited about we talked about that earlier on so there's your question answered Goat McGregor wants to know is he crazy for being more hyped than for 202 than 200 yes a little bit to be honest what do you think Sean uh, I, don't, I think they're both, both very good I think uh, we spoke about Danny Segura earlier he made the point on the MAB about the matchups being a little bit uh, less predictable for 202 and I tend to agree with that um, but I think the string I think you know the top, those top five fights who, Magni is fighting Magni's fighting uh, Dong Hyun Kim isn't he and Cerrone uh, against Rick Story I'm not uh, looking forward to those two they're good fights but like you have Amanda Nunez against Misha Tate and you have Cain Velasquez against Travis Brown and you see 200 so I think that just takes it for you to see 200 so looking through this we've actually got a lot of questions that we did cover in our discussions of a lot of the fights this weekend so apologies if we did not directly answer your question here it's because we feel that we've covered it um, analysing the fights earlier on to finish off though Sean John and Mike's MMA Corner wants to know how do you like your eggs in the morning? I like mine with a kiss. No, I like mine in Coco's next door to Hooters with hash browns and bacon and sourdough toast and some of Dave's pancakes because he can never finish pancakes and I like oh. them over easy. 
It's the best breakfast in Vegas. It's well, it's not. It's the cheapest breakfast in Vegas, Vegas, and that's why it's the best breakfast. Mm, nice. I like mine um, fried. Oh, excellent! To be yeah. honest, I yeah. I like mine scrambled. I'm gonna go make some now. Here's a. I must just say something there before we finish. This is if you want to support us, right? If you want to support the, the podcast and stuff, do this, right? If when, Send when us money on out, PayPal. <laughs> yeah, when embedded's come out, if you see it. If you see a YouTube link, don't click that. Click severemed.com and click the embedded there. Or when you, you know, when you see like, oh, you know, this press conference or something, or, you know, um, weigh-ins, just go to severemed.com and click them and look at them there. You'll be helping us out. It'll be great. And it's simple. Just do that. Uh, also, also, my, I have one preview already out. There's more coming tomorrow and the day after. If you go in there you, and ask a question, I'll get back to you. If you, you can criticize my picks, you can say I'm an idiot, whatever, I will reply to you. So Personally. Everyone, yeah, I will personally reply to you. So everyone who goes in there, yeah, I think you could sign in with like your Gmail or your Facebook or something, write a comment and I will reply to you. And tell you why you're wrong for disagreeing with Sean. Yeah, maybe, or else I'll say you have a good point and I was wrong. So there you go. So either way, it's a win-win situation, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Two hours and six minutes in the bank, three fight cards covered. The biggest week in UFC history thus far is happening from today, really, I suppose. International Fight Week is kicking off. The IMAFs are kicking off tomorrow as well. Absolute best of luck to every single fighter representing on, the nation of Ireland, either north or south. 20 fighters going over. There's going to be medals taken home regardless. Joseph Duffy in action on Thursday night against Mitch Clark. Joanna Jacek and Claudia Gadella Friday night. And then we have UFC 200. Oh, it's going to be unreal. If Paul Heyman isn't in his corner, then it's an absolute travesty. UFC 200 is going to be absolutely off the charts. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at Severe MMA Pod. Sean, I think the UF, the Severe MMA Snapchat will be recreated for Vegas this week. I'm going to uh, log back into it because there's no crack in Dundalk. It's only when we go away to fights that we ever have to consider using it. He is at Sean Sheehan BA on Snapchat. I'm at Andrew McGahan and Severe MMA are also on Snapchat too. The username is Severe MMA. As always, thank you very much for your listening. Thank you very much for the continued support. Send us a message about the t-shirts as well, by the way, if you want to get your hands on them before they are gone because when they are gone, Sean... Gone. They are gone. We'll be back next week for two limited edition podcasts of the well, two editions of the Severe May podcast. And who knows, Sean? This may not be the last time that we speak to the good people this week because Conor McGregor and Nate Diaz are having a press conference and there could be calls for an emergency uh, on location. Google Hangout. There could be. We will see. Be. We will see what the future holds. As always, enjoy the fights this weekend. No matter where you're watching them, share the podcast out. Tell a friend. Tell them that they're missing out on the greatest mixed martial arts podcast in the last 76 weeks. It's the Severe MMA podcast. As always, thank you very much. We'll see you next Tuesday.